How high will our drafters tonight push Packers up the board? Will Alvin Kamara make an appearance earlier in this evening's festivities? And will a former Pros versus Joes overall champ return to the mountaintop in 2021? Follow along with the live draft board and listen to our pick-by-pick analysis as we call the action from the 2021 FFPC Pros versus Joes Magic Man League number five to see who is going to win a 2022 FFPC main event team. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Alcoholics and Ferreliacs hanging out with us tonight. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Tonight, we have the fifth of six special episodes for you. It's the 2021 FFPC Pros versus Joes Magic Man League number five draft tonight, and we will be covering it for you for the next two full hours. Follow the live draft board at youtube.com slash high stakes fantasy football. Shout out to the chat room right now. You all can post any questions you might have in there at the moment. You can always connect with us on Twitter at HSFF hour at Eric Balkman or at J Farrell Elliott, facebook.com slash HSFF hour is where to send us a message and connect with us there. If you want to give us a call, tell us your thoughts on the draft tonight and how it's going. Uh, who's doing well, who's maybe not doing so well, give us a ring at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OBA. You can also email the show at the inbox, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Our producer and mutual friend Rob and my best friend and audio engineer Bryce will be peppering those questions to us throughout the show. Whenever we get a break, we will try to answer them. I want to remind you, tonight is the deadline day for the 2021 FFPC main event early draft slot announcement. If you have your registration done, your team's paid off by midnight Pacific time tonight, that's about six hours away, then you will get your draft slot this Sunday, August 1st. Remember, if you already have a team in the FFPC main event, you can add on more and you'll get $400 off each additional team that you add. So make sure you square those balances away, get your registrations in within the next six hours, and you will have a leg up on your competition trying to win an FFPC main event grand prize of $500,000. As a reminder, everybody competing in this draft tonight is competing for one prize 
and that is a free entry into the 2022 FFPC main event. Whoever comes out on top in this Pros versus Joes draft, six industry pros versus six FFPC Joes, will win their way in to the main event next year, whether they want to draft at home or live at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, Nevada. Let's get to tonight's lineup here and tell you who's drafting. Jim Coventry from Rotowire is the pro in the first spot, followed by J.C. Gifford, former guest of this show. He is drafting second. Peter Overzet from Ship Chasing, picking third tonight. Jeffrey Berger and Dan Polner uh, will be hitting cleanup from the four spot, the FFPC Joe Tandem there. Fantasy Football Today's Doug Orth is the pro in the five hole, followed by Keith Douglas and Steve McMahon drafting sixth. Hussein Aksu from Fantasy Couch is going to be drafting seventh, followed by a guest you heard on these airways a couple of weeks ago, Beth Riches, picking eighth tonight. Jared Smola from Draft Sharks, uh, you know him well, uh, one of the most accurate uh, rankings of anybody out there last year, according to Fantasy Pros. He is uh, picking ninth. Bill and Donna Zell are picking tenth, longtime FFPC players and very successful ones at that. Former uh, Pros versus Joes overall champ Jake Seeley from The Athletic. He is drafting 11th. And 2017 Football Guys Players Championship grand prize winner of $250,000, Michael Apt. He is picking 12th tonight. Bring in my co-host right now, Farrell, uh, doing this. So this is our fifth. This is our penultimate episode or so. And I feel like um, with each one of these pros, with each one of these Joes, what makes this competition so great this isn't just a draft based on ADP. This is a draft of going to get your guys, and that's what these pros and Joes have been doing. Each draft we've done so far has been a little bit different. A little bit different, but one thing that stays the same, Balky, is that uh, wide receivers are pushed to the back of the first round, if at all. And there's a certain wide receiver that I expect you to be climbing into the first round or very early in the second uh, based on today's news. Yeah, we will see, and I think that's sort of um, uh, something that we will be following as as the day as the draft goes on here, um, based on the Aaron Rodgers saying that he is coming back, that the Packers have reworked his contract, and it looks like it will be all hunky dory at least for 2021. After that, it remains to be seen, but um, we'll see what happens to not only him but Devonte Adams, Aaron Jones, Robert Tunyon, and some of these other Packers. Uh, receivers as well let's get into the first round here no surprise that the 101 Jim Coventry from Rotowire took Christian McCaffrey JC Gifford off the uh, uh, takes Travis Kelsey off the board number two so we finally get to see that tight end getting selected above some of the other running backs Peter Overzet had a choice between Dalvin Cook Alvin Kamara Ezekiel Elliott if he's going running back he ends up going with Cook there at the 103 Berger and Polner end up taking Alvin Kamara at the 104 and Ezekiel Elliott, who we have seen go basically second or fifth, I think, in every single draft so far uh, in the pros versus Joe's competition. He goes fifth tonight. Darren Waller gets pushed up to the 106 to Douglas and McMahon. A couple more running backs here. Derek Henry to Hussein Aksu and then Austin Eckler to Beth Riches at the eight spot. Tyree Kill is the first receiver selected tonight. Um, he went to Jared Smola here from Draft Sharks at the 109. And uh, Jonathan Taylor to Bill and Don Azell here at the 110, followed by Saquon Barkley at the 11. Been a popular spot for him uh, in the pros versus Joes. It, it seemed like his ADP was changing, um, you know, as the pros versus Joes was getting underway last week. And he goes at the 11 tonight. I know Evan Silva got him, I think, on uh, in the first draft at the 11 spot. Jake Seeley nabs him 
at the 11 spot tonight. Stefan Diggs uh, to Michael Apt at the uh, at the 12. So we should talk a little bit about Saquon Barkley because we do have a little bit of news. This came out roughly three hours ago from Jordan Renan, who covers the Giants for ESPN. Um, Joe Judge, the head coach for the Giants, had a one-on-one interview with um, with Jordan Renan, and the, there was a conversation about Saquon Barkley, and Judge used the phrase long-term approach uh, in regards to Saquon Barkley's knee. Now, there's a chance he's ready week one, which means there's also a chance, maybe even a greater chance, that he won't be ready week one. We have seen him go at the back end of the first round, Farrell. Is that still too early based on this news, or is that a steal there to get Saquon Barkley, a guy who was going as a top three or four selection just a month ago, now going as a fringe first-round player? We talked about it last night, and I did not like the body language and facial expressions that Barkley uh, portrayed when asked how soon he was going to be back. It was a stark change from his conversational attitude up until that question. Now the coach saying long-term, I'm off Saquon Barkley. I'll let someone else take that risk. I don't want to have it. You look at the players in front of him, the players immediately behind him, they're very good players. They'll score comparably, if not more, especially if Barkley is not available. And even in this 17-week pros versus Joes contest, um, availability for me, especially in the first round, is the best ability. It's interesting that over the last three days, uh, we normally give shout-outs to Darren Armani from FantasyMojo.com, not only for throwing the Pros versus Joes competition together each and every year here, um, but he also is responsible for all the data that we cite on the show as far as uh, draft analysis, ADP, so on and so forth. And over the last three days in FFPC Slim Best Ball Draft, Saquon Barkley's ADP is at 111. But Farrell, he has gone as late as the 207 over the last three days. So in some drafts, he's already plunging into the mid-second round. Will that plunge continue? Well, like Farrell said, the, the body language wasn't good from Barkley. The interview wasn't all that great from Jordan Renan today, so it couldn't even go further. Let's get into the second round and see some of these running backs that both Farrell and I might uh, take over uh, Saquon Barkley right now. One of them for me is definitely Nick Chubb, who Michael App nabbed at the 201 Seeley, who took Barkley, ended up getting Najee Harris in the second round. He starts off running back, running back with the rookie from Alabama now in Pittsburgh. George Kittle is your third tight end selected. He goes to Bill and Donazel at the 203. Trio of running backs after that. We talked about how much these Packers would get pushed up. Aaron Jones had an ADP over the last three days of 208. Tonight he goes at the 204 to Jared Smola. Clyde Edwards-Alaire to Beth Riches and then Antonio Gibson goes to Hussein Aksu uh, to go with his Derrick Henry pick in the first round. So of the back end of the draft, picks 7 through 12, we see three of them start running back, running back. Now, uh, as we move forward, Devontae Adams, another guy who was going originally at the uh, 205 over the last three days. He goes at the 207 tonight, so he slips a little bit despite the Rodgers news. Uh, and uh, that is, he's going to McMahon and... Um, uh, beg your pardon, going to Steve McMahon and Keith Douglas right there. Joe McMixon after that to Doug Orth, followed by the final running back taken in the second round. That is Jeffrey Berger and Dan Polner grabbing J.K. Dobbins to go with Alvin Kamara. So both those guys and Doug Orth go running back, running back to start. It was all receivers after that. Calvin Ridley to Peter Overset, DeAndre Hopkins to J.C. Gifford, and D.K. Metcalf, the final pick, 
of the second round tonight to Jim Coventry. Um, one of the things that we'll point out, Ryan Poole, who's hanging out in the chat room, Ryan Poole has been a, a former guest of this show, played in Pros versus Joes before as well. Uh, he pointed out that um, the J.K. Dobbins pick at the uh, 2.09 tonight was a little bit earlier than he, norm, uh, than he normally goes in, in these formats. I'm just looking at the ADP right now. Dobbins normally on average at 3.06. Farrell, we talked about it last night where uh, Bob Lung ended up getting um, David Montgomery uh, in the second round, and then he took J.K. Uh, Dobbins in the third, which is still a little bit early for Dobbins. I, I don't, I, you know, these are FFPC Joes in Berger and Polner that are taking Dobbins here, and I guess the threat of, of not catching passes, not a big deal to them when they already have Alvin Kamara in tow. No, and you take a look at the situation of running backs that will come in the third round. My guess is it'll be a while before we hear another running back come off the board, and Dobbins is uh, the bottom of that tier, and he uh, should expect a lot of carries down around the goal line. What, what takes my eyes' attention in the second round, very, very big congratulations and an early start to Douglas and McMahon. These guys have what may be the top scoring tight end and what may be the top scoring wide receiver. And that's a pretty impressive way to start. And they looked at the running back situation that goes to the left of them, Mixon, Dobbins, and then a big, big list of uh, three wide receivers. Uh, I think they played it right, and I think that's a great start uh, to lock up uh, players uh, like Waller and Adams. Uh, you mentioned that there was a huge drop-off from running back here. Ten picks actually separated J.K. Dobbins as running wow. back 15 to who running back 16 was here in the third round. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, but let's tell you how the whole third round unfolded. The final three picks, Coventry, Gifford, Overzet. Uh, took receivers in the uh, second round. They all did the exact same thing in the third. Jim Coventry gets A.J. Brown. J.C. Gifford gets Justin Jefferson. C.D. Lamb to Peter Overzet here with the 303 pick. So all three of those teams go with receivers in both the second and third round tonight. And I'm just looking at um, the ADP. C.D. Lamb normally goes with the 3-7. He gets pushed up about a third of a round tonight as Overzet gets his guy in C.D. Lamb to go with Ridley and Dalvin Cook. Kyle Pitts, speaking of getting your guys, Berger and Polner make him the tight end four tonight um, after uh, Kelsey Waller and Kittle are off the board. Kyle Pitts, tight end four at the 304 to Berger and Polner. Allen Robinson is the number one receiver for FF Today's Doug Ork, followed by Keenan Allen to Douglas and McMahon. So after Farrell was giving him praise for potentially having the number one tight end and the number one receiver, they get another target monster in Keenan Allen here in the third. Uh, TJ Hawkinson off the board. That's about a half round uh, as, as, you know, earlier than where he normally goes in this format. So Hawkinson to Hussein Aksu as his number one tight end to go with Henry and Antonio Gibson. The only team to start off with three straight running backs is indeed Beth Riches, and she gets DeAndre Swift here uh, after nabbing Eckler and Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the second round. She gets DeAndre Swift here in the third. That is what I was referring to, 10 picks between the Dobbins pick in the second round and the Swift pick in the third round that were all non-running backs. So if Beth Riches had her eyes on a running back and didn't think Swift was going to make it to her, she was wrong and probably pleasantly wrong as she gets Swift at the 308. Terry McLaurin to 
Jared Smola, the pick after that. David Montgomery, a second rounder last night. He is a third rounder tonight, 310 to the Azell brothers. Chris Godwin will be the number one receiver for Jake Seeley from the Athletic. And then Chris Carson ends the third round here as the former football guys overall champ, Chris Car- uh, Michael Apt, takes Chris Carson there at the 312. Yeah, I, I guess um, there's, a, there's a Cowboys receiver, Farrell, that's still on the board here, and he'll probably go in this round, I would guess. Um, but this will probably be the biggest separation I have seen between the first Cowboys receiver drafted and the um, second uh, Cowboys receiver drafted. What do you make of C.D. Lamb at, at the 303 to Peter Overzet? I, I know I like him quite a bit this year. Are you also on the Lamb train? No, that's exactly where I would have taken him, and um, I like him better, substantially better than the wide receivers that came behind him because there is an elegance of play in this player that rings back to uh, players such as uh, Lynn Swan. There is a uh, a type of um, catching zone that this, this player has that – I, you know, as long as you don't throw it in the stands, he's going to bring the ball in. Uh, and he did so well with that Duke's mixture of quarterbacks that he had last year. Uh, the If you look at the game logs for early in the season, he was just beginning to heat it up with Prescott. I think that's going to be an amazing situation. It'll be cool to see what Peter does uh, at, at quarterback. I uh, Beth, in the number eight position, I was a little surprised to see her go running back DeAndre Swift, not because uh, I wouldn't take Swift, not because I feel that that Swift uh, doesn't bring something to a team, but my goodness, her first two running backs, Eckler and Edwards Hilaire, they are, are so prolific, so explosive, can do great things with the ball in the passing game. I, I think she's got such – she had such power at quarterback. Then was the time to balance it a bit. So uh, I, I was a little surprised to see with uh, Terry McLaurin on the board uh, that she went swift there. Yeah, that is interesting because you had 11 receivers off the board, but I think Beth might be taking the approach of like, look, my, I'm going to be dominant somewhere, and I'll figure out the rest later. But dominance at one position sometimes – can um, springboard you all the way to the top and you can't play for second in a format like this. You have to be able to, to have a team that can win it uh, all um, uh, because you, you won't get anything if you come up just short. Um, we will see as, as this draft unfolds, how she fills in the cracks. She already filled one position here in the fourth round, which we'll get to in a second. Um, we'll see what she does at tight end and, and receiver here going forward, but we could see a lot of purple and a lot of yellow in her column going forward, given the fact that she has really um, taken care of uh, the running back situation and getting a lot of volume in the backfield, no question there. Farrell, Russell Wilson was a subject of uh, potential trade talks and that he might have not been happy in Seattle, and I think fantasy managers were not necessarily happy with the approach for Seattle. Um, When you have prolific receivers like D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and uh, an elite quarterback in the NFL like Russell Wilson. I think people wanted to see him cook, as the kids say, and mm-hmm. they didn't. They, they, they focused on the running game a lot there. And they re-signed Chris Carson this offseason, not to a, a ton of money, but they re-signed him. He should be the lead back there. Do you foresee, given what we saw with Wilson this offseason, 
more of the same in 2020 where it's, it's run, 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 run for the first three quarters. And then you let Russell Wilson explode in the fourth, or are we going to see more of a balanced attack with Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett all stepping forward and having big fantasy seasons? That's it. The latter is what we're going to have, Bucky. And you're going to have to put the tight end there, Gerald Everett, and talk about how he's going to contribute to this club. He has a, an opportunity to join some of the uh, elite tight ends and receptions uh, in this league. A new offensive coordinator that we've talked about on the show uh, will get this offense to be more of a 60 40 uh, passing offense, and especially when it counts, high quality passes to receivers that can catch the ball. Lock it perfect for this format. Uh, he doesn't have consistency across games. You wonder how he puts together those 100 catches that he did last year, but when he is on, he is on. This team is going to be a weapon, and I also look for the rookie Eskridge to make his way into some of these drafts. Mm. There's a prolific player that uh, no one has taken yet, and we're, we're looking at the end of the draft with some of those wide receivers, but you've got it right, Bucky. And Carson, it's the old aspect of um, – uh, his health being a concern. But at this point, and I would like to see how this team builds out, but at this point, that's that's a, a credible draft pick. There's some other running backs that I would have preferred, but that is a, uh, a credible draft pick. Chris Carson also has the um, notoriety of separating, uh, being the only pick separating real-life teammates, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. As Godwin goes at the 311, uh, Michael Apt, after taking Chris Carson, goes with Mike Evans as his number two receiver, the 14th one off the board tonight. Uh, this is probably the earliest we've seen Daryl Henderson go. 4-0-2 tonight to Jake Staley from The Athletic. That is his third running back. He takes Daryl Henderson, the presumed starter for the Los Angeles Rams. Miles Sanders off the board to the Azell brothers. They also now have three running backs on their squad drafting next to Staley. Uh, Seely has the receiver. Azels have the have uh, Kittle, the tight end there. Uh, Miles Sanders is their pick here at the 403. The guy I really like, and we'll talk a little bit about him in a second. That's Robert Woods at the 404. Jared Smola's third receiver drafted. Beth Riches takes Patrick Mahomes as her number one quarterback and the number one quarterback off the board this evening. Amari Cooper, the Cowboys receiver, I was referring to earlier when we were talking about C.D. Lamb and talking about how much. Farrell and I really like him this season. Cooper goes off the board at the 306. The aforementioned Tyler Lockett, now a member of Douglas and McMahon's team here at the 407. He's their number three receiver. The first tight end drafted by Doug Orth from FF Today, that is Mark Andrews, and he is the sixth tight end selected tonight, the only tight, uh, beg your pardon, the only tight end to go in round four. Josh Jacobs, running back 21, and the number three running back for Jeffrey Berger and Dan Polner in the four hole. Um, pretty incredible stuff here from these three teams on the, on the turn here. Peter Overzet, J.C. Gifford, and Jim Coventry for the third straight round all-go receivers. We have a solid tic-tac-toe board of nothing but virtual yellow stickers at the left-hand side of the uh, FFPC draft board tonight. It is D.J. Moore to Peter Overset. It is Cooper Cup to J.C. Gifford. And it is Odell Beckham as the final pick of the fourth round to Jim Coventry. Every one of those players are the number three receiver for their respective team. So let's talk a little bit about Robert Woods, Farrell. Um, the guy who stands to benefit the most, I think, from the Akers injury is probably Henderson. But close behind him, it's got to be maybe Matthew Stafford or some of these pass catchers for, for the Rams. Robert Woods could be a huge beneficiary of that. 
Um, the, the fact that, that he has rushed the ball, that the Rams have made it a point to work him into the game plan, both receiving and running. He goes off the board tonight ahead of Cooper Cup. My whole thing all year when we talk about Woods and Cup was that I felt that Woods is being drafted at base, based on last year's stats, and last year's stats had a lot of touchdowns. Cooper Cup didn't have a whole lot of touchdowns. You'd like to think there's some regression to the mean there, Farrell. I still like Robert Woods better, but Cooper Cup almost goes uh, – well, he goes more than a half round after Woods. I think that might be too much. I don't, Balky. I think Woods has those touchdowns for a reason. He is the explosive player. He's the player that can beat the defender out of the box, get past him, get separation, doesn't have to have a whole lot of separation to catch the ball. You know, there's a lot of explosive players that have to be way open, have to have a, have a defender beat by a couple steps to make the catch. This guy makes the physical catch and then runs well before the catch and after the catch. I really like this player. I think he's a bit unsung because he's mixed in there with a lot of players and a lot of targets, a lot of celebrated guys. He's very, very solid, very good. That's a great acquisition. Uh, what is that, our team number nine? That's uh, uh, Jared. That's that's a great acquisition, I think. Uh, and, and you would be well to, to grab Robert Woods as well. Cooper Cup, you cannot complain about his production. I like him better in the fifth round. Uh, I like him stacked with other uh, Ram players in this format. Uh, good player, going to catch a lot of balls, going to uh, – uh, he's had his day, I think, with the red zone threat uh, with this team, the red zone passing threat, the short yardage threat. I think he seeds that to Higby a little bit this year. Uh, good player, but I probably would have done something different in the fourth round here. We want to uh, do a little something different on our program tonight and take it out to the phone lines for our first caller of the night. You follow him on Twitter at Jim Coventry NFL, and you are following his draft from the one hole tonight. You hear him on uh, Sirius XM channel 87 and 210 Fantasy Sports Radio on the weekends during the NFL season. It is Jim Coventry. Jim, welcome to the program, man. Thanks so much for having me. This is an exciting draft, and the room is just intense. <laughs> yeah, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this. It's, it's always more exciting, Jim, when, when you can start off the draft um, with the 101 pick. You could add your pick of the litter. You went with McCaffrey. I know that seems like the chalk pick at this point. Was there any um, you know, thoughts of you maybe going a different direction, direction or were you locked in on McCaffrey? No, I had to be locked in. He had his injury spell last year, so I'm just kind of hoping and expecting he goes back to full health. A few games he actually played last year, his scoring was top five in each of those starts that he had. So I imagine he's back to being the player we expected. Yeah, you know, Cook has his injury risk as well, so it was all McCaffrey all day. Jim, I'm glad um, to see the roster much? that you're putting together is in a best ball format because, honestly, you have all the name brands, and, and if you had to pick a lineup, you could get yourself in trouble because you might pick the wrong one. So I think <laughs> yes. you're doing a great job here putting these players together. I tell you what, though, I was not excited to take Miles Gaskin in the fifth round, but I needed another running back, and I know the pool is going to dry up very quickly. I always worry when you have a seventh-round draft pick who comes on in that second season, misses six games, and, you know, they draft Jared Dokes. 
and they did put a claim in on carry on Johnson. They didn't get him. So I am a little bit nervous, but at the end of the day, I have to just hope that Gaskin gets playing time and, and that works out well, but otherwise, yes. Um, and yeah, I know you mentioned a few moments ago, you weren't a big fan of Cooper cup going where he was and he went to pick before him. I would have liked him there because I remember back when the Rams were running their offense and not protecting their quarterback cup would be schemed wide open with so much green grass in front of him. And those days are back because with Stafford, Sean McVay can actually run his offense instead of hiding everybody. Jim, um, we, we referenced this um, earlier with, with you drafting next to J.C. Gifford and obviously Peter Overzet next to him. You know, you're seeing these receivers fly off the board as it comes back to you in the second, um, as it comes back to you in, in the fourth round. How much of your decision on who to go with there, be it Metcalf or Odell Beckham, was based on Gifford and Overzet loading up at the position? It was really my draft board fell the way it did. Now, the, the decisions I made were I had a special number of running backs that the tier went off at Joe Mixon. If those running backs were gone at that turn, I was going to take the two receivers because they were higher-valued players than I had. So they did influence that for sure. By a ticket, but I didn't know that those running backs would fall anyway. I looked at the other pros versus Joe's drafts, and in one draft, Edwards Alaire fell, and in another, Mixon fell, but in the other, and Aaron Jones, I think, may have fallen in one, but in the other drafts, nobody. So I was expecting that to happen. And then at the 4 5 turn, it was where I just thought Beckham was a good value on the board. Again, I wanted Cupper DJ Moore, and they went right ahead of me. I thought about taking a quarterback there, but I backed off. And then, as I said a moment ago, the, the players around me, we have three teams, I believe, with three or four running backs already, and that forced me into picking Gaskin. I would have taken a quarterback otherwise. I think you're going to so be very happy with Gaskin, Jim. I hope so. I do like him. I definitely do. So thank you for that supportive word, and I do hope the same. I think, I, I think you're right. We just hope that works out long term. All right, so, Jim, let's, let's look at your draft. Um, we, we mentioned already McCaffrey, Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Odell Beckham, and then you guys have been talking about the, the Miles Gaskin pick here. You're looking at two running backs, three receivers. I think you're in the hole right now. You're about to be on deck. Um, are you looking at any specific players here? Or are you trying to take care of a position? We see six tight ends off the board. We see three quarterbacks off the board. What are you thinking here at the end of the sixth round? So I do want to get a quarterback here. I initially had planned on taking one in the fifth, and because of the running back dilemma, I didn't. And I'm waiting for this next pick of board and the million to one shot somebody's listening and doesn't want to you know, do something to me. So I'm going to wait just a second. <laughs> I do have a plan right here. <laughs> hey, it's a million to one shot, but you never know, right? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. So I, I, definitely, I definitely have a plan here, and um, it's one that I – I'm expecting good things from. It's that second position now where I've got to determine whether I want to go running back or if I want to go tight end. Because the tight ends are starting to come off the board. And the value of both, there's going to be a pretty big drop-off here. And I'm still waiting 14 seconds on the clock. There we go. Somebody just made their pick here. Okay, so Tyler Boyd goes, I'm going to take Russell Wilson here because I want to stack him Mm. with DK Metcalf. Yes. And so I – and I'm excited about Russell. I'm going to make my second pick right now. I'm between taking Michael Carter because I think he's going to see a significant passing down roll. He may not see a ton of early work. But they're going to trail every game. And, boy, if I go with a tight end, I don't think I want to make that drop all the way down to Higby. I'd like him, 
but I think I could get a couple tight ends later that might put up a pretty much similar scoring. So I am going to take this third running back thinking he's going to get in that mix pretty quickly. So I'm going to take Michael Carter here. So Russell Wilson and Michael Carter are the selections here at the 612 and the 701 for Jim Coventry. Jim, after you make that pick, I just want to – last question before we let you go. Um, when you sure. talk about stacking in, in, a, uh, in a draft like this where it's a closed league, um, you know, you're just trying to beat 11 other teams, do you think that it is a must after you get some of those early receivers that you must take a quarterback to match up with one of them? Or is, does that not necessarily affect that you're just going to go with the best quarterback regardless of what receivers you already have on your roster? It was a combination of both. If I had a certain receiver such as Metcalf, I did potentially want to stack him with Wilson, but I would not make a stack just to make a stack. It had to be the next quarterback on my board and it had to be at the right time. But I won't reach for that player to make the stack happen. Jim Coventry, ladies and gentlemen, you follow him on Twitter at Jim Coventry NFL. You check out all his work at RotoWire. I know you already have the training camp notes uh, that have been coming out for almost a week now, Jim. What else do you have? What do you got down coming, coming down the pike for all the RotoWire uh, subscribers here for your work? So I've been writing a weekly article called ADP Battles. And what I do is I take three to four players at the same position who are going pretty much back-to-back in ADP. And I give both the pros and the cons for that player. I like to give readers both sides so they can at least add to their knowledge bank and make the best decision. But I don't want to just pump up each player positively. I think having that downside scenario is important. So based on fantasy managers level of risk mitigation they can definitely utilize that jim coventry we thank you for calling into the night we wish you uh best of luck on the remainder of this draft good luck in all your leagues this year man don't be a stranger we'll talk to you again soon excellent have a great night and thank you for all you do thank you jim man. coventry ladies and gentlemen from rotowire.com uh at jim coventry nfl good stuff from him good analysis good draft philosophy a uh, good guy to talk to about this uh, specific uh, format, this league, and uh, high-stakes fantasy football in general. Uh, Farrell, let's move on and, and talk about this uh, this fifth round, as, uh, as that's where we left off after the Beckham pick. We know that Jim took Miles Gaskin. We can tell you that Javante Williams went to J.C. Gifford as his number one running back here in the fifth round as running back 23. T. Higgins is the fourth consecutive receiver drafted by Peter Overset here at the 503, and the second quarterback is off the board. It is Josh Allen, and he is a member of Jeffrey Berger and Dan Polner's team here tonight. Julio Jones is uh, the number two receiver for Doug Orth, followed by Jamar Chase, the rookie from Cincinnati, the fourth straight receiver drafted by Keith Douglas and Steve McMahon. He goes off the board tonight as wide receiver 23. Dak Prescott, third quarterback selected tonight. Prescott's going to go to Hussein Aksu from FantasyCouch.com. He goes off the board tonight at the 507. Deontay Johnson is the number one receiver drafted by Beth Riches. She gets him uh, the pick after Prescott at the 508. Travis Etienne joins Aaron Jones in the backfield for Jared Smola, followed by Adam Thielen. Now, he's the number one receiver drafted by the Azell brothers here tonight at the 510. Mike Davis, the penultimate pick. He becomes of the fifth round. He becomes the fourth running back selected uh, by Jake Seeley. And then Brandon Ayuk, the third receiver drafted by Michael App. Now, Farrell, I'm just looking at this fifth round. There's some interesting stuff here. Uh, Javante Williams to Gifford. That's his number one running back. You look at um, Deontay Johnson here tonight. That's the number one receiver 
for Beth Riches uh, tonight. Adam Thielen drafted in the fifth round. That's the number one receiver for the Azell mm-hmm. brothers. So I think what we're seeing here is people are drafting a, drafted earlier a lot to their strengths and now are sort of filling in the craps. Uh, craps. Craps. Got Vegas on my mind. <laughs> They're filling in the craps of, of trying to, um, of trying to uh, make sure that they're palatable, at least, or solid, at least, uh-huh. at these other positions. It might become desperation time for some of these players who maybe are a little bit short-strung short uh, at, at some of these positions. These are pros versus our most successful Joes in the FFPC, and I've learned as we're talking about this that, that the drafters here uh, have a plan. They are very directed in what they want to do, and they expect the players that they're getting to be there. It's, it's just like it's just like Jim said with uh, with Cooper Cup, and gave a reason that he believes that Cooper Cup would be valuable to him. Uh, you know, and I wouldn't agree with that, but he does. So everyone here has got a plan, and so I think that all these drafters are very very happy with the players they're picking. Now the Azale brothers always are a mystery and a puzzle to me. Their build always includes <laughs> players that I'm a little bit down on. I don't dislike the player. I just like the players around them better. And these guys are so successful. And I look at the players, and and, and every one of them has, comes with a little warts uh, to me, especially the wide receiver that they take here, Thielen, a guy pushing the other side of 30, who had great touchdown receptions last year but not – not the uh, amount of catches that I would like to see in my number one receiver, where I see some in the sixth round uh, some very explosive, very high-end receivers uh, going off the board. We're, if I'm learning one thing by listening to you and watching all these excellent drafters, it's steady as she goes does not win this for you. And I don't think Adam Cleveland no. as your number one receiver is going to win this for you either. You know, I used to bring this up years ago, and our mutual friend uh, Craig Campbell uh, participated in this, Farrell, and he was mm-hmm. one of the, um, I think Greg Cantor has done this before. I'm trying to remember the other FFPC Joes that have done this. I don't think I've ever seen a pro do it. But we oftentimes will see, um, not oftentimes, once in a while we'll see a team start off with three straight tight ends. Uh, and usually mm-hmm. you're, you're getting the top three tight ends in that case. Now, this, you can't do it this year because of the ADPs of Kelsey, Waller, and, and Kittle. But I was wondering if we would see that um, at some point in pros versus U.S. I don't think it's going to happen, but certainly um, maybe the stars align and somebody could go with like a Waller, Kittle, Hawkinson start or you know something like that. I don't know if we'll see it because we only have one more draft left, and I already checked the slow draft for pros versus Joe's 7. didn't happen there either. Uh, but that's always something fun to talk about every year. But that is to your point. You you got to be uber elite somewhere, and then you just kind of you kind of got to just be solid everywhere else or good everywhere else, and that usually is enough to get it done. Moving on in the sixth round here, you talked about these explosive receivers here. Let's get into it. It is Chase Claypool as the third consecutive receiver drafted by Michael Apt here, wide receiver twenty seven at the six oh one. Pair of quarterbacks off the board after that. Sealy goes with Lamar Jackson. The Azels go with Kyler Murray, both their number one quarterbacks on their teams. Dallas Goddard is now the number one tight end for Jared Smola, the seventh one off the board tonight. Smola gets him at 6.04. Chase Edmonds on the Arizona Cardinals uh, joins a pretty talented backfield with Eckler, Edwards, Alaire, and Swift for Beth Riches here tonight as running back 26. Beth has four of the top 26 running backs in this draft. Kenny Galladay 
is going to be the second receiver drafted by fantasy coaches Hussein Aksu and then Kareem Hunt goes right after Galladay to McMahon and um, uh, why am I blanking on this? Uh, that, that <laughs> would be, Douglas. Uh, oh my goodness. That's I've McMahon and, and uh, Douglas. Douglas. McMahon and Douglas. I got to remember it's the law firm of McMahon and Douglas mm-hmm. uh, keeping everything uh, keeping everything fair in the eyes of the law by not letting any stacks or any value uh, go buy them uh, through McMahon and Douglas here tonight. Bobby, they get imagine that you're on, the, uh, you're on the Tonight Show circa 1973, and you've got Kirk Douglas and Ed McMahon sitting there next to Johnny. Ah, there you go. There you there go. You yeah. It. Spartacus and the Booze Hound. I get it. Um, so I can keep it straight. Um, all right, Trey Sermon right after that, after Kareem Hunt. Trey Sermon, the rookie running back to San Francisco, goes to FF Today's Doug Orth. Jerry Judy is the number one receiver drafted by Jeffrey Berger and Dan Polner. Then you have Noah Fant, the number one tight end drafted by Peter Overzet. Only has one running back on his team so far, but four really good receivers and Dalvin Cook will make that easier to swallow. Tyler Boyd, the number four receiver drafted by J.C. Gifford. And then you heard Jim Coventry draft uh, Russell Wilson right here on these airwaves. So you look in the in the sixth round, Farrell, your boy Chase Claypool. Boy, Michael Apps' uh, receiving core looks pretty awesome when Claypool is his number four. It's very, very impressive. Um, and, and Claypool will score for him, I predict, uh, more than uh, Brandon Ayuk will. But he's... Uh, he can start. He can start looking at some other positions now because he's he's got his scorers at tight end. He's go, or at wide receiver. He's going to be just fine. He might need to start looking for a tight end. Now. Um, I know you're surprised by the DeAndre Swift pick uh, by Beth Riches in the third round. Were you also surprised by her going with Chase Edmonds in the sixth round, eschewing receiver and tight end for another round? Yes, I have just determined that Beth does not like the color yellow. You know, and lots of people don't. <laughs> they just don't want they, 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 whether it's a light maize or a, or a deep, dark harvest yellow, they just don't care for it. And she just doesn't, uh, she's just going to pick receivers. Uh, and there are still plenty of them on the board that are going to catch the 70 or 80 balls. And I think she looks around and sees, you know what, uh, these guys are taking some receivers in the fifth round that, that uh, and they're leaving plenty of good ones. So I'll take another running back, which is what she wants to do in this draft, obviously. Two interesting team builds here, McMahon and Douglas, the FFPC Joes in the sixth hole, and Berger and Polner, the FFPC Joes in the four hole tonight. Farrell, McMahon and Douglas don't take a running back until round six, and they get Kareem Hunt. Uh, Berger and Polner don't take a receiver until round six. They get Jerry Judy. So I, I think this is interesting as, as we look at these team constructions coming together. Which one do you prefer right now? McMahon and Douglas obviously took Waller first, four straight receivers after that, Adams, Keenan Allen, Lockett, and Chase. Berger and Polner are kind of all over. Kamara and Dobbins, then they get Pitts. They go back to the running back well. They get Jacobs and then Josh Allen. So they have the number two quarterback. They have the number four tight end. And now they get Jerry Judy as their number one receiver. Which one do you like better so far through six rounds? When we review this draft at the conclusion tonight, I'm going to come back to team number four, Berger and Poner. I like Josh Jacobs. Everyone knows that uh, you know I'm, I'm a big Raider backer anyway, and that's where he should go in the fourth round. I wouldn't have picked him there. There's receivers that I would have picked there and tried to get him back. There's, a, there's enough 
There's enough animus towards Josh Jacobs that you might have been able to pick him up in the fifth round. But it doesn't matter because I've watched what they've done in the fifth and sixth round. I think I got an idea of who the receivers that they'll pick up later are. And and to me, this team is winning the draft so far. With what they've done at quarterback, coming back with Jerry Judy, that's the kind of receiver that I like in this contest. I think they're well on their way. Um, we are well on our way into round seven here. Um, you heard the Michael Carter pick on air from Jim Coventry from Rotowire. He gets him at the 701. James Robinson off the board to J.C. Gifford as his number two running back at the 702. Trio receivers then. Robbie Anderson to Peter Overset, Juju Smith-Schuster to Berger and Polner, and then Cortland Sutton to Doug Orr. Aaron Rodgers, we were wondering where he would go tonight, Farrell. He did shoot up. He gets selected tonight at the 706 as quarterback seven. For references' sake, according to FantasyMojo.com, Aaron Rodgers' ADP in this format on uh, the last three days before the news today, he was quarterback 13, going on average at the 904. So he shoots up almost two full rounds tonight. Adams actually fell. Jones moves up a little bit. Aaron Rodgers moves up a lot. We have our answer there. Devontae Smith to uh, Aksu, uh, Team Aksu there, 707. DJ Chark after that, the number two receiver for Beth Riches. Justin Herbert will be the starting quarterback for Jared Smola's team here at the 709, followed by Damian Harris, who continues to creep up that ADP to Don and Bill Azell there. Michael Thomas off the board at the 711 to Jake Seeley. That's going to be his number two receiver. And Tom Brady joins Michael Apps. Um, uh, heavy receiver team so far with only Chubb and Carson, but four, count them, four receivers on that squad, including Mike Evans. So he gets the stack, the hookup. That's what we called it in my day. Uh, Evans and Brady on that squad. That is your seventh round. Farrell, when, when you heard the news today of Aaron Rodgers, did you envision him going in the mid-seventh round tonight? Is, is this earlier or maybe perhaps later than what you thought he would go? The stack with Devontae Adams made this uh winning move so yeah I, I'm very pleased with that and I, I would want to have uh, based on the other quarterbacks off the board this is exactly where I would pick him so yes it's a very good play it's interesting to me as we look at these receivers here's some of the receivers I was speaking of and um, Tyler Boyd who's a capable wide receiver and could be part of a tremendous offense in Cincinnati went uh, in the sixth round and then the next three receivers Robbie Anderson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cortland Sutton will all score more fantasy points than Tyler Boyd for different reasons, I think. You know, Robbie Anderson uh, did it last year in receiving numbers. He did not catch a lot of touchdowns. Perhaps that changes this year. Juju Smith-Schuster flirted with 100 catches, and Cortland Sutton's aching to get back to football to be the number one receiver at Denver and was prolific when he did play in 2019. The fact that these three guys are available in the seventh round, because of all the running back and tight end drafting, the early quarterback drafting, they allowed allowed these teams, uh, especially uh, Berger and Polner, who who now they've got – they waited to the sixth round, they took Judy, that's good. In the seventh, they get Smith-Schuster, and and, and that's just great. So uh, congratulations on – on how they're putting together the team. And we could say the same thing about Mr. Aksu at number seven. Um, he did, you know, he waited on Amari Cooper. You called it, you know, Cooper's, Cooper's getting a slow start in camp, but I think he'll be there. And then in the middle of the sixth round, 
he gets the number one uh, receiver from the New York Giants and finishes up with uh, Devontae Smith, who's a bit of a wild card, but it'll be um, interesting to see if Philadelphia can put it together, what they do with the 165-pound receiver. And in this format, that's where I would want Devontae Smith. See, Farrell, that's the exact player I wanted to ask you about in this draft for selfish reasons, because in a lot of my drafts, I feel like I'm faced with Devontae Smith as my number three or number four receiver, and I never know how to handle him. But he's the Heisman Trophy winner. He was so electric last year, looked awesome. Um, first receiver to win the Heisman Trophy in, you know, however many years it was. It was, it was, it was he put together an insane season. Um, but at the same time, like you said, 165 pounds, he goes to Philadelphia. I just, I'm not sure what to make of him. And I feel like um, I, I just need to draft him in a couple of spots just in case he has a massive season. What are the chances he does outperform tonight's draft slot, wide receiver 34 at 7.07? I think he does. He's the kind of player that no matter what happens in Philadelphia around him, they are going to force the fact that he contributes to this offense. We talked about the wide receivers that played for the Eagles last year, and it, it was a complete dearth of talent. Um, Smith now comes in, and you can give an example. He's the polar opposite of Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs got off to a slow start, had a pedestrian year in his rookie year. Smith, they will feed him the ball. They will put him in packages. They'll do everything they can in target share touches to make him work to make it look like this is succeeding. And, you know, what the problem is at Philadelphia right now is uh, the quarterback uh, has to own that team. And when you go to camp, everything has to be directed through the quarterback and to these new weapons that he has. And, you know, we're we're sitting around uh, dealing with uh, Sean Watson trade offers and, and, and confusion. And, you know, the players, when they come to camp, uh, especially a young team like the Eagles. They're young at quarterback. Rager's young. Smith's young. Uh, there needs to be a little bit more focus. I think despite all the distractions, the focus will be all year long on uh, on our 165-pound wide receiver. Yeah, more to come on Devontae Smith. Can't wait to see him out on a preseason field. Somebody I'm going to be watching closely for sure. Uh, moving on to the eighth round tonight, we've got some commentary going on in the eighth round in the Blog Talk Radio chat room, so I want to get through this. Mike Williams is the first selection. He goes to Michael Abt here as his number five receiver. Logan Thomas is the starting tight end for Jake Seeley's The Athletic Squad. A lot of receivers here. LaVisca Chenault to Don and Bill Azell. Brandon Cooks to Jared Smola. Debo Samuel to Beth Riches as her number three wideout. Antonio Brown will be the fourth wide receiver selected at wide receiver 41 for Hussein Aksu. To his squad tonight, that's at the 706. Uh, Zach Moss, number two running back for McMahon and Douglas, the law firm there in the middle of the draft. Ryan Tannehill to Doug Orth from FF Today, followed by Curtis Samuel to Berger and Polner here at the 809 uh, selection. Farrell, your guy, Raheem Mostert, he goes off the board here tonight with the third to, f- third to last pick of the eighth round. Peter Overzet drafts him as his number two running back to pair with Dalvin Cook. Michael Gallup, another Cowboys receiver off the board at the 811. And Tyler Higby rounds things out. The Jim Coventry here uh, from rotowire.com. And it's interesting, too, because Tyler Higby goes as the tight end 10 tonight. He normally goes at tight end nine, normally goes at the 704. He goes tonight at the 812, and, and Ryan Poole said 
look, this is the latest I've ever seen Higby go in, in, in this format before. So Coventry gets a big-time win there, in my opinion, to wait and wait and wait and still get a top-10 tight end a round and a half later, almost two full rounds later than what he normally goes. So congratulations to Jim there. Um, what are you yes, thinking sure. about Overzet squad from the three-hole here tonight, Farrell? Because he gets Cook, and now he gets your guy Raheem Mostert. The question was, can you hit on enough running backs to make this team um, really explosive enough to compete with Ridley, Lamb, Moore, Higgins, Anderson, you got the receivers, and now he's got Mostert as his number two running back. How much more do you like this squad now that he's got Cook and Mostert, not just Cook? Everybody knows that Overset's a genius. So that you know that, that's and, and the, so there's no way <laughs> that if I'm at the fourth spot and I'm saying, well, this guy hasn't picked a running back since Dalvin Cook, I'm not going to let him have Mostert because uh, you know I, I took. Uh, he takes Curtis Samuel, absolutely nothing wrong with Curtis Samuel, but there's receivers that would have come back to him that could help him just as much in the ninth round. But Moster could be a great fourth running back for him. He'll be a uh, tremendous second running back if he can overcome the – and I'm not going to speak about injuries. I'm going to speak about the fact that he's the, the most he's ever carried the ball is 151 times in one year. So if Mostert could carry the ball 225 times, uh, he'll have production equal to uh, a third-round running back, and, and that would be fantastic uh, for Overset's team here. You know, it's wild to think about, too, as we look at the Niners' running backs uh, and how tonight's drafters treated them. Trey Sermon went as running back 28, Raheem Mostert at, as running back 33, and you think, well, Balky, that doesn't sound like that big of a difference. Well, Based on how this draft fell, <laughs> it was more than two full rounds that separated those players, even though they were only five running backs away from each other at the position. So it was interesting there, uh, Mostert going uh, two full rounds after Doug Orth took Trey Sermon in the sixth. Let's get into the ninth round here, ladies and gentlemen. James Conner, the other half of the Arizona backfield duo. He is Jim Coventry's number four running back tonight. Matthew Stafford joins J.C. Gifford squad uh, as his number one quarterback, quarterback 11 off the board for Stafford tonight. Will Fuller is in the number six receiver drafted by Peter Overzet, and we see Berger and Polner double up at the tight end position. They grab Pitts in the third round. They grabbed Mike Gesicki here in the ninth round. Then a bunch of uh, young running backs off the board here in the ninth round. Kenyon Drake is number four to Doug Orth. A.J. Dillon is the number three running back to McMahon and Douglas. And then Ronald Jones, the number three running back to Hussein Aksu, the fantasy couch maven. Uh, he gets him as his number three running back. But remember, his top two running backs were Derrick Henry and Antonio Gibson, chosen in rounds one and two. Michael Pittman uh, is the fourth wideout chosen by Beth Riches. And then Leonard Fournette joins Jared Smola's squad as the number three running back there. A couple of quarterbacks here, and they're both backups. Uh, Bill and Donazel took Kyler Murray in the sixth round. They get Jalen Hurts here as quarterback 12 in the ninth round. Um, Lamar Jackson went to Jake Seeley in the sixth round. They get Joe Burrow, or he gets Joe Burrow as quarterback 13 in his second quarterback here in the ninth round. The last pick of the ninth round is indeed Gus Edwards. So we're seeing some double-ups here, Farrell. How much of this is strategy and how much of this is just simply best player available? Burrow, uh, Berger, and uh, Polner double up on tight end in the ninth. And then you're seeing the Azels and Sealy both getting their backup quarterbacks here in the ninth round. I don't know if the, these three teams are trying to start runs um, by, by getting some value right now. Um, but I'm just kind of curious is, is to, to get inside their mind 
Do you think that this is best player available, or is there something else at play here? There's a lot of this going on. I'd like to see. Sometimes you've got to get out of your own head and see what the competition around you is doing. Keep your eye on this board. Uh, Peter Overzek comes back. He has five receivers. He takes a sixth receiver, Will Fuller, who enters into a promising situation but has a lot of question marks about what's going to happen with that team. When uh, running backs were available on the board, uh, Ronald Jones, who rushed for almost 1,000 yards last year and scored touchdowns, and goes back to a pretty good team in Tampa being available there. And Kenyon Drake's available because he was going to play like a wide receiver anyway, and he may catch more balls than Will Fuller in this year. So I, that's that's a uh, – uh, I don't see – sometimes you get in this mode of drafting a certain position to be strong in a certain position, and you just might go too far. I think that's what Peter did there. Uh, I'd love for him to call in and tell me that Will Fuller's going to catch 100 balls. Um, Michael Pittman in the ninth round in this format. Come on, guys. This is a steal. And, boy, does it set up uh, – that's team number uh, – that's eight. Team number eight, Beth Riches. That's my favorite pick uh, that she's had yet, and it sets her up for a position to add some other Colts receivers that would be a mighty nice stack. Uh, and, and the Azell brothers, uh, the, they, um, the, they don't let me down. Uh, they take another player, which I would have serious <laughs> question marks about. Uh, and and uh, they continue that, so they're they're probably on their way to a championship in that respect. You know, by so, yeah. have you ever uh, drafted in the same league with them in in Las Vegas before, Farrell? I think I have. Yes, I think I have. And, and I know they do a lot of best balls. They do a lot of stuff out there too. I, obviously, main yes. events and everything. But yeah, it is it is fun to watch them uh, in action. Oh, I um, and, them and a, we get to see them uh, tonight. I sat with them at a viewing party uh, once, and they, they really know their football, and they're passionate about it, uh, and, and I like those yeah. guys. I think, they're, uh, I think they're really good at what they do. I just uh, – my, my, and, and I continue. I mean, we're 10 or 11 rounds in, and, and I can't find a guy that I particularly like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, to borrow a line from uh, local Wisconsin legend Charlie Barron's uh, host of the Manitowoc Minute, we will Love keep her moving here and get into the tenth round. As we uh, we um, yeah, you know, it's so funny, Farrell. Is, is I had I was I was sitting in on the morning show for the radio station I work for here, and um, he Charlie Barron's is out in Los Angeles at the time. So we're calling him at, you know, like quarter after four in, in the morning local time. And uh, I, I said to him, like, you know, like, hey, thanks for doing the show, whatever. And he's totally talking normally. Like, he's L.A., he's West Coast Charlie Barron's, right? And I mm-hmm. said, well, so do you want, to, you want me to do the character the whole time? You just want me to be, like, you know, just like just me, me normal, like actor Charlie or whatever? I'm like, yeah, let's just do the character. And then uh, I said, we're on in 30 seconds. Boy, did he flip the switch at 4.15 in the morning. No problem. It was one of the most fun 15-minute segments I've ever done in my life talking with him. In any event, let's move on and talk about the uh, 10th round here. Melvin Gordon, the first uh, running back off the board here. The 10-01 to Michael Apt. And then you have Darnell Mooney and Nicole Hardman to Seeley and the Azell brothers after that. Jamal Williams to Jared Smola. Uh, interestingly enough, he has Aaron Jones on his team, Jamal Williams. No longer the handcuff for the uh, Aaron Jones owners. Jamal Williams moving on to Detroit this year. It is his number four running back. Jarvis Landry is the fifth receiver taken by Beth Riches, so she's starting to hit 
that uh, receivers are pretty good. Farrell, maybe she just likes she likes the color yellow, but only in the second half of the draft. I don't know. Latavius <laughs> Murray to uh, Hussein Aksu here uh, at the uh, at the uh, the ten oh six, and then a couple of tight ends: Evan Engram and then Robert Tunyon off the board. These are both backup tight ends uh, to McMahon and Douglas for Engram, and then Doug Orth uh, for uh, behind Mark Andrews on his depth chart. Um, Berger and uh, Polner take Marquise Brown and then a couple of running backs, Tony Pollard to Peter Overzet as his number three. Naheem Hines is the number three running back selected by J.C. Gifford. And then Trey Lance off the board um, with the final pick of the 10th round. I know, Farrell, that, that we've, we've let you go off on, on Trey Lance on occasion on this program. I, I guess I don't dislike him this year as much as you do, but why? I guess I don't understand why he, he's going off the board ahead of Justin Fields, ahead of Trevor Lawrence, as far as uh, rookie um, quarterbacks go, this is a player that only played one game last year, one game. And it wasn't against great competition either. And and so to see, you know, I know Jim Coventry uh, already has a quarterback, but to see Lance continue to get pushed up the board, people really, really, really must love his talent because I, I just, we have such a small amount of film on him. Everyone is buying into the fact that the dual-threat quarterback will lead you to the championship. That's why Hurts is a big pick. That's why Lance is a big pick. And you look at some of our first quarterbacks off the board, uh, you know, Allen has the numbers to back him up. Prescott can run, although does less of it. Mahomes is is a freak and can do everything. Kyler Murray had big, big statistics last year due, due to the fact that, that he can run the ball. And, and many of these guys are running the ball when the offense breaks down. That's what listeners have to remember. But, you know, I, I think that uh, the situation with uh, Trey Lance, um, I do not believe that the – uh, San Francisco 49ers, a 6-10 and 10 football club last year, are in, in the middle of a rebuild. They have a team manager quarterback. They're going to play this player very much in the way that uh, that New Orleans has played uh, Taysom Hill. That's how I view it. Um, and, and I don't think he gives you any value um, in redraft leagues. Now, in this special situation, uh, he could be given the role towards the end of the year. And you'll have to determine your whether you think he brings quality to your team above some other NFL quarterbacks uh, that have that have skill sets that uh, are already well-developed. And uh, you're right, this player played one, one game of uh, college football last year. So I, I just uh, I think that uh, what, what's the phrase they use tapping the brakes on Trey Lance uh, would be the uh, would be appropriate here. I guess you know yeah, like you said for this format he is a pick to win type player, um, but you don't like like I've said before you don't have to hit a home run on every single pick. Now if you hit a home run on Trey Lance maybe he helps you out maybe he doesn't I just I. I I guess I would not be pushing him up as much as, and this is not just a knock on Jim Coventry. This is, we've seen it um, in all four drafts uh, so far in the pros versus Joe's. He really is moving mm-hmm. up draft boards. Let's press on uh, until the uh, 11th round here. Yeah. Round 11. Um, we'll um, <clears throat> kick things off here 
with uh, Coventry taking Hunter Henry at the 11.01, Irv Smith to J.C. Gifford after that. That is backing up Travis Kelsey. Elijah Moore, Peter Overzet cannot stop drafting receivers. He gets the rookie out of New York as wide receiver 50. That is his number seven receiver so far tonight through 11 rounds. Um, <clears throat> Jalen Waddell, another rookie receiver. He goes to Jeffrey Berger, Dan Polner here. Doug Orth to Russell Gage and then Henry Ruggs, the second-year player from Las Vegas. He goes to McMahon and Douglas. The third running yeah. back in a row drafted by Hussein Aksu is David Johnson. Ronald Jones in the ninth, Savius Murray in the tenth. He gets David Johnson here in the eleventh. Janu Smith off the board to Beth Riches as her number one tight end, followed by Corey Davis to Jared Smola from Draft Sharks. By the way, Richard Ross and Ryan Poole in the chat room commenting on how much they do like Jared Smola's team right now and how they're loving it come together. Adam Troutman to the Azell brothers as their number two tight end, followed by Marvin Jones to Jake Seeley and Devontae Parker, the final receiver off the board to Michael Apps here. That, by the way, is Michael Apps' number six wideout. Um, I, I, one thing I've noticed with Coventry squad, and, and by the way, in, in probably about 25 minutes or so here, Farrell and I will, will give you a team-by-team breakdown. Um, but Coventry went receiver heavy early with Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Odell Beckham. He has not drafted receivers since round four. We are now in round 12. Farrell, is that a mistake to even when you load up on a position that early? But, a, but the wide receiver position, to ignore it for, you know, whatever it's been now, seven-plus rounds, is that a good move? No, and you've got to ignore it for a reason. Uh, you, you've got to be great at the other picks. And I, don't, I don't think he – I don't think he has been. We'll see if he can recover from that. But there's there's some there's some players he's picked that I would he's he's obviously very well uh, a veteran at this and a very well qualified uh, evaluator of talent. I like to know where he's going with it uh, because uh, I don't see what he is seeing. But there's yeah when you skip a position. You've got to be great, and you've got to be tactical, and you've got to, you've got to, as it comes together, you got to look at it and say, oh, that makes sense. I know what he's doing there. And, and so I'm not seeing that with what's going on. One of the more popular um, places uh, that we have seen fantasy value go to is Jacksonville. Um, LaVisca Chenault is being talked up. DJ Chark's already performed there, uh, you know, previously. Uh, you have Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, the Clemson Tiger duo, joining the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. One of the players that we, we have not talked about a whole lot, especially on this show, is a player that signed in free agency uh, with the Jaguars this offseason, Farrell. And Jake Seeley drafts him as his number four receiver tonight, as wide receiver 55. What do you make of the former Lion turned Jaguar, sticking in the Cat family, Marvin Jones, uh, as, as he signs the deal there? Um, do you think that this is a player that Trevor Lawrence is going to be targeting, or is he simply more of a sort of a nine-route guy, maybe a security blanket on third down every now and then? Uh, Jake's just a genius picking up Marvin Jones, and Marvin Jones has not moved out of that 11th, 12th round spot, and it's it's too difficult uh, to assume that LaVisca Chenault in this offense will even catch more passes than Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones has caught nine touchdowns each of the last two years. That's why I like Trevor Lawrence. I like him better than Trey Lance. Look at all those receivers he's got down there. Trevor Lawrence goes in several rounds, uh, at least two, sometimes three, behind what drafters are doing with Trey Lance. And that job is his to win, you know, is his to own, and that's his team. 
and he's going to camp with people that love him. And one of the guys that is going to make him successful is the player that they brought in to do so. That's Marvin Jones. He's a professional receiver. He came through the situation in Detroit, uh, catching a lot of balls. He's playing, you know, know, Detroit's Detroit's losing a lot of football games. And if you watch Marvin Jones over the middle of the field and what he's doing and how he's throwing his body into lots of uh, uh, situations to put it in havoc to make catches, He's going to do the same thing for this young receiver in Jacksonville. So I'm all for Marvin Jones, and I think that's a great pick. Moving on to another player that you are all for and you also believe is a great pick, it's Gerald Everett to Michael App to lead things off here in the 12th round. T.Y. Hilton off the board after that, and the number five receiver to Jake Seeley. Rashad Bateman, the rookie out of Minnesota, now in Baltimore. He is the fourth receiver drafted. By the Azell brothers. Then you have Justin Fields, another rookie quarterback going off the board. The second rookie quarterback going off the board tonight. He's going to be backing up Justin Herbert for Jared Smola's squad. These two uh, second-year receiver uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Rager, to Beth Riches after that. She has now used five of her last six picks uh, and six of her last eight picks on receivers. Well, we talked about her hitting that position hard. She is indeed doing that now. Gronk backing up Hawkinson for Hussein Aksu from FantasyCouch.com. Philip Lindsay, the presumed starter uh, by Farrell Elliott uh, in Houston this year. Not necessarily starter, but the back that you want to own. He is the number four running back drafted by McMahon and Douglas. Rondale Moore, the rookie in Arizona to Doug Orth right after that at the 12.08. Devin Singletary in Buffalo is going to be the fourth running back selected by Jeffrey Berger and Dan Polner. Travis, uh, Trevor Lawrence, you mentioned him just now, Farrell. He goes to Peter Overzet as his starting quarterback. Overzet does not take a quarterback until the 12th round and still gets quarterback 16, the rookie number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. Alexander Madison to J.C. Gifford after that, followed by Gabriel Davis, the another Buffalo uh, player here, this time a receiver. Coventry, I don't know if he was listening, Farrell. Maybe he was, but he gets Gabriel <laughs> Davis. No longer ignoring the receiver position, Gabe Davis joins Metcalf, A.J. Brown, and Beckham in his wide receiver core, and that will complete round 12 tonight. I uh, just want to give a shout-out to anybody who is listening for the first time on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. We normally do this show year-round. It is Friday nights at 10, 9 central. You can access full on-demand streaming available for listening anytime via a variety of apps. You can go to hsffhour.com, Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Amazon Alexa, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, Spreaker, Deezer, Verbal, Podchaser, Audioburst, GeoSavon, Gana, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Podbean, PocketCast, Radio Public, Podcast Addict, and Anchor. We're on all those. If you cannot find us, please let us know. Because I'm doing something wrong if you can't find us on one of those right now, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and before I forget, I also said I'd give a shout-out to my 7-year-old son who had his first playoff baseball game ever tonight. Uh, His team was the 2-seed. They were playing the 7-seed. Two of his buddies were on the other team. Uh, They had beaten them pretty badly during the regular season. And tonight it was a very tight game. It was a walk-off win as they come up 7-6 with the victory and they will be uh, moving on to play in the semifinals on Wednesday. Exciting stuff there. So there you go, son. You got your shout-out on the show. Back to the draft here as we move to round 13 here. 
Uh, yeah, round 13. Paris Campbell off the board at the 1301. And then you're looking at Kirk Cousins after that, backing up Matthew Stafford for JC. Board at the 1303, followed by Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Jeffrey Berger, Dan Polner pounding those receivers since round six. They now have six receivers drafted in the last eight rounds. Giovanni Bernard, the new Buccaneer, goes to Doug Orth here in the 13th, and then a trio of tight ends. Jared Cook as the backup to McMahon and Douglas's Darren Waller and Evan Engram. Blake Jarwin backing up Hawkinson and Gronkowski to Hussein Aksu, and then Anthony Ferkser backing up Beth Rich's Janu Smith. Traquan Smith, the presumed number one receiver for New Orleans. We are not seeing a bounce for him right now despite the Michael Thomas injury. He goes tonight um, at wide receiver 13. We'll talk about him in a second. But then Cole Beasley, who may or may not be cut by Buffalo. We don't know how that thing's going to end up. Uh, And then Zach Ertz and Eric Ebron to complete the 13th round. Zach Ertz to Jake Seeley, Eric Ebron to Michael App. So I do want to bring up the Traquan Smith thing. Um, Now, the data that we have on Traquan Smith, Farrell, is all, I believe, is all post-Michael Thomas news. We're looking at almost mm-hmm. two dozen drafts here. Traquan Smith, wide receiver 60 at the 13.05. Tonight, he was selected as wide receiver 64 as the 13.09. So about on par. Are you surprised that this player is not getting more love and, and not being drafted earlier, given the fact that he could have a guy who loves gunning it down the field, Jameis Winston, tossing him the rock? That's uh, yes, I am, and, and, and by that thirteen is, is that all drafts or just our best ball slams, Bucky? That's all. Is best that ball all? Slams. Is that football guys? That's all best ball. Okay, nope. um, all best ball in, slams. Yep. In the best ball slams format, it 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 makes no sense that this player shouldn't be a single digit wide receiver, and I'm I'm a little shocked that uh, I'm, I'm a little shocked that the team that took Thomas did not. Uh, did not make it a point of, of grabbing Smith, but uh, you know we're that that offense uh, last year supported um, the the running back and whichever receiver the coach wanted the ball to go to. Go look up at the game logs; you'll see um, how certain receivers ruled the day. Even Emmanuel Sanders had a big big day before he was lost some time. So it's a situation there that the coach is going to make sure that Smith uh, is successful for fantasy players. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a mistake that that player would still be around in the 13th round. Eric Ebron is uh, going to be on the Steelers uh, again this year. Actually, um, interesting stuff for the Steelers in their offense in general. They pretty much bring the band back with the receivers and Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. Running back's a different situation, but it is an improvement there. The first-rounder, Najee Harris, is is going to be joining that squad there. How concerned with you, uh, how concerned are you with the fact that Pittsburgh is turning over so much of their offensive line this year that Ebron might be asked to stay in and block a little bit more than he had than than he was last year? I think with all the good purple players that you could pick up and call your second tight end at this point in the draft, the drafter shouldn't be taking Ebron. I I think he will also lose some time to the uh, rookie that was drafted there, Baby Grunk, and he will be in a situation uh, of lesser importance to this team and, and not be a factor for fantasy players. 
Um, I don't think there is – no, there's nothing else I wanted to talk about the 13th round. Actually, there's a couple players, but I think we're going to get into them tomorrow um, uh, to, to finish off pros versus Joe Strong. So let's get through the 14th round here right now. James White to Michael Apt, followed by John Brown to Jake Seeley, and then the rookie Terrace Marshall goes to the Azell brothers here. The Azell brothers now – our owners of six wide receivers on their team. They get the rookie there as wide receiver 67. Jared Smola has a backup tight end to Dallas Goddard. It is the 26th tight end chosen tonight, and his name is Austin Hooper. Matt Ryan is the number two quarterback drafted by Beth Riches. And Chuba Hubbard goes off the board to Hussein Aksu's squad here as his number six running back, Hussein the Brain, takes Chuba Hubbard the rookie out of Oklahoma State as running back 51 there. J.D. McKissick right after that to McMahon and Douglas. Bunch of quarterbacks here. Carson Wentz to Doug Orth. Ryan Fitzpatrick to Jeffrey Berger and Dan Polner. And then Tua Tungabailoa to Peter Overset there. Uh, Darrington Evans to J.C. Gifford, followed by Brian Edwards to complete round 14. Jim Coventry, ever since we called him out, Farrell, uh, not taking enough receivers. He has done nothing but take receivers here in the 12th, 13th, and 14th. Jim, we love you, and thank you for listening. The players I want to talk about, or the specific player I want to talk about here in the uh, 14th round is Tua Tungavailoa and, uh, I guess, before him, Trevor Lawrence for Peter Overzet's squad. Now, he only took one running back in the first seven rounds. He didn't take a quarterback till round 12. What do you make of these players I know you touched on Lawrence a little bit earlier, but Lawrence and, and Tua Tungavailoa for overs at squad specifically to get guys like that in the 12th and 14th after ignoring the position for so long. You know, I would be interested to uh, speak to Peter and see if he would have preferred um, Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan in this situation. But Tua is a better quarterback uh, than he gets uh, respect for. I think he brings a lot of skills to this team, and this team is improving. Plus, they've got a very, very strong defense. So, Tua is um, going to be in situations where he'll need to win some games uh, for the Miami Dolphins this year. And the Dolphins have a uh, uh, going up against an improved Jets defense, a New England defense, which will look much different than it did last year. So, it's not. Uh, I think Lawrence will score often, um, uh, be the quarterback that scores often for Peter here, and, and this club could probably use another quarterback, although how many have we burned so far through, Bucky? Through 14 rounds, there has been 21 quarterbacks selected, Farrell. Yeah, there's there's some names out there that he could still, uh, that, that could still benefit him, but two of them will probably have – two or three big games that he can bring. So, yeah, I'm surprised that I'm surprised that this is his build. But if he's going to do this, uh, he probably couldn't have done much better. Farrell, Chuba Hubbard was a player that not a lot of people expected for him to return in 2020 for his final season as a Cowboy at Oklahoma State. He did. Um, and this was, you know, probably to his detriment, because I, mean, I know a lot of people are talking about him being a potentially a first-round running back draft pick the year before he came out. He ends mm-hmm. up being selected later than that uh, by Carolina, too, uh, who has the workhorse Christian McCaffrey ahead of him. I'm curious, if McCaffrey were to go down and miss any time again, is Hubbard more likely, in your opinion, to be the guy there, or would he simply be part of a running back by committee if that opportunity presented itself? Yeah, I don't think that's a beneficial pick for them. Uh, there are still some pass-catching tight ends. 
our pass-catching running backs that I really like, and we opened the show uh, talking about Saquon Barkley and uh, availability. And his backup, uh, no matter when um, Barkley returns, his backup proved himself as a, a capable standalone contributor with the Raiders last year, and uh, he was still on the board. So I, I don't like the Hubbard pick. Now, these guys haven't done a whole hell of a lot wrong, but I don't like the Hubbard pick there. Um, the, the first pick of the 14th round here, James White, um, a guy who relished, uh, and Michael App, the former uh, Football Guys Players Championship, $250,000 grand prize winner, takes White there with the first pick of the 14th round. This is a player that had some really, really good seasons uh, as a borderline, you know, top 20, top 25 running back, catching all those passes in New England. Tom Brady is not there anymore, Farrell. We got a flash of, of what he might look like with, with a different quarterback last year with Cam Newton. But, you know, Newton was, was playing hurt, and then he got COVID. So I don't know if Cam Newton was ever himself last year. Now we have a quarterback battle between Newton and Mac Jones this year. Does the fact that this is unknown to you, I mean, how much does, does James White value change based on whether it's Cam Newton or Mac Jones under center for New England? James White's world came unraveled last year. James White is back with this team and will play with a purpose. I think drafters are sleeping on him. He'll be the best friend of either of these quarterbacks. The running back situation is nothing that you can write in. Any Pro Bowl players contributing there. James White will be needed. These games will be closer. The Patriots will be more competitive. They're not going to turn in two years, uh, back-to-back years, as a sub-500 team. And James White will be part of that. I think that's a very, very good pick there. I would have liked to have seen this draft go uh, running back, running back. Uh, he, I don't think he needed uh, the Ebron tight end. He could have benefited from another back, but at least he got White and good for him. James White, the 1401 and running back 50 tonight. On average, running back 51 at the 1407. So very on brand for James White. We'll see if he moves up the draft boards at all during the season. Players of his ilk, um, of his experience, typically don't move up in the pre- preseason, but um, anything's possible, especially with uh, the change in, in New England right now, or the potential future change in New England from Newton to Mac Jones. Let's talk about the 15th round as it is now complete, Farrell. Um, we, we left off with Brian Edwards at the 14-12. Tariq Cohen goes off the board to Jim Coventry. Well, I, and I believe Jim uh, is a is a Chicago guy, too, so he's Going with a little bit of a homer pick there as he stops taking receivers and then drafts a bear. Uh, Sterling Shepard, we are ripping, at least I'm ripping Jim Coventry really good tonight. He's been the only guy we've talked to during the show, so uh, my apologies to Jim Coventry. Jim, we, we appreciated you calling in and talking with us. Um, Sterling Shepard to J.C. Gifford. Uh, Christian Kirk to Peter Overset uh, is his, I believe that is his number eight receiver now. Yes, eighth receiver drafted by Overset is Christian Kirk. Nelson Aguilar to Berger and Polner, followed by Devontae Booker to Doug Orr. Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones, pair of quarterbacks off the board after that. Mayfield, quarterback 22 to McMahon and Douglas. Jones, quarterback 23 to Hussein Aksu. Then you have Kevin Coleman as the number five running back to Beth Riches. Uh, Jacoby Myers, another Patriot here, drafted by Jared Smola this time. 15.09 does go Jacoby Myers. Jamison Crowder after that to the Azell brothers. Daryl Williams and Ben Roethlisberger wrap up the 14th round. The quarterbacks, Farrell, you kind of alluded to it when we were talking about him before, who Overset could have taken. 
Mayfield, Jones, Roethlisberger, would you rather have had any of those guys for Peter Overzet's sake instead of Tungavailoa? I remember what we're talking about is that you've got to hit a home run uh, here. And um, there's a couple of quarterbacks based on his roster construction that that uh, I'm still waiting for him to draft. And I, I think he might get to one of them in the, uh, in the 16th round. In Arizona this year, you have DeAndre Hopkins. Um, obviously, Edmonds and Connor out of the backfield are going to factor into the passing game as well. But, Farrell, who do you think is the number two receiver in what should be a pretty potent offense in Arizona at the end of the year? Is it A.J. Green? Is it Rondale Moore, who went in the 12th round tonight? Or is it Christian Kirk, who went as wide receiver 70 in the 15th round to Peter Overzet? Yeah, Christian Kirk is the guy who gets no respect. But the, the player that's going to win you a league like this is, is Rondell Moore. And, and Rondell's going to play all across the field. He's going to be what you used to call a gadget player, what they call up in Canada in the CFL a gizmo player. But what he's going to be in Arizona, if the coach will wake up and utilize him in that way, is a big, big threat for that offense. And more situation as the season goes on will probably be even better than it will be at the start. So I think Rondell Moore is your top fantasy player. He might catch the same passes as this other group, but he could be at, at Curtis Samuel, two, uh, three hundred yards rushing. He could possibly um, do some uh, excellent touchdown work and break some long, uh, break some some long runs. This is the the player outside of the gentleman that you mentioned that I would want from the Arizona Cardinals. Let's talk about Daniel Jones, who went to uh, Hussein Aksu in, in this round here at the uh, 1507. And I guess this is more of a commentary on the evolving uh, or, or the evolution, I guess, of the Giants offense if Barkley isn't ready. Um, if he's not, Devontae Booker, who is a noted pass catcher, would probably be the starting running back. They already have Evan Ingram, and they added Kyle Rudolph to this passing attack as well. They already had Sterling Shepard. They already had Darius Slayton. Now they add Kenny Galladay. Farrell, is, is the Barkley injury affecting Daniel Jones in a positive way? Is he going to be a better fantasy quarterback because they will not be able to pound Barkley and utilize him as, as much as perhaps they wanted early in the season? No, probably not. It's probably the reverse. Defenses can come in with a different type of play against a Booker-led backfield than a uh, – uh, than a Saquon Barkley led backfield, but um, we're in a we're in a situation here where you know, a lot of people could point to what happened with Josh Allen and say, uh, you know, Josh Allen got a number one uh, wide receiver, and look what he did with him. Look at the magic that was made. And Jones might be something of you can make a case of, of that particularly um, happening here. There's good players. Uh, around Jones, uh, he uh, has been a significant underperformer in the league, but this is his chance. And we didn't mention Kadarius Tony. Somebody should draft that player tonight, but uh, th- that could be a very beneficial uh, uh, player, much like what Moore can do uh, for the offense at Arizona. Tony, less the running threat, uh, Tony could be a prolific receiver for that giant team and, and do some big, big things for, for, for Jones. 
Let's take it out to the phone lines and talk to a drafter who's been doing some big, big things tonight. He is the creator of the preseason matchup analysis and the big boards over at FF Today. You follow him on Twitter, at Doug Orth. Please welcome into the program, Doug Orth. Doug, how's your draft going for you tonight? Is this is it going according to plan? You're, you're assuming there was a plan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i got to tell you the, the middle rounds, middle and late rounds have kind of uh, went off, I won't say off track, but it's been hard to keep up. But I've been happy with uh, how it's been going. I was especially happy with how it started. Yeah, and, and so let's talk about that start, too, because we've seen Ezekiel Elliott go second overall um, in a couple of these pros versus Joe's draft. He falls to you at the five spot tonight. Did you think you were going to have a chance at him there, or were you, were you thinking that somebody else was, was going to be your selection at the 105? It's funny you ask that, and I know why you asked that. I was, I was planning – I've known this draft spot for at least two or three weeks, and I was thinking the whole time Zeke or Waller, I never imagined I would have to choose between the both of them. So, <laughs> right, yeah. That's that's where I was. But it was – basically, it was McCaffrey or Zeke were the only two running backs I was going to consider before the two tight ends. And so uh, I, I was going to pray that I got one of the top six tight ends after I got Zeke, and then fortunately – like I said in the, in the draft chat, I was I was stunned that Andrews lasted as late as he did in the fourth round. You know, I so, think I the mean, seven guess, through. Oh, go ahead, Bucky. Well, I, the, you talked about wanting to get a top six tight end, Doug. So I think the pick for you in the fourth round was pretty clear that you wanted you wanted Andrews when he fell to you. If he didn't fall to you at, at that point, if he was off the board, how how long do you think he would have waited be, before you took a tight end, your starting tight end? Well, I'm probably higher on John New Smith than most. Uh, and now you're going to ask, well, then why didn't I take him in the tenth, you know, tenth or eleventh round or wherever uh, around before he went? But um, that's probably where I was going to go next, and I probably would have waited at least five rounds, at least. Um, and, and okay, so John New Smith in the eleventh round uh, tonight. You take Robert Tunyon in the 10th. Were you surprised that he was still there, Doug, uh, given the fact that, you know, we got this positive Aaron Rodgers news in, in Green Bay today? Yeah, that worked on my psyche a little bit. Uh, there, at, at that point, okay, so I believe that John is going to have some degree of stability, whereas I'm going with the upside on Tunyon, or Tunyon, sorry. And, um, of course, I don't, I expect a regression in, in touchdown department just like everybody else does, but... Yeah, the, the news with Rogers today helped for sure, and then um, so there. There, I'm just thinking upside. So touchdown upside, and uh, even if it's not the 11 he had last year. So, but that that was that was the thinking behind that upside over what I think would, would have been stability. Doug, you joked about not having a plan. Um, these quarterbacks interest me, and I'm curious if this was a plan of yours because I think Tannehill and Wentz have a, a favorable. Uh, schedule. I think they're very good uh, uh, dual threat uh, quarterbacks who don't get that type of respect for what they can do with their feet. Uh, were these guys you targeted, or did they just fall your way and you said, I can live with them? Um, Tannehill is somebody I'm targeting. Wentz is somebody I'm ending up with a lot, but and that's I don't mind that at all. But uh, Tannehill is someone I'm targeting that I know I can probably get in the mid rounds like I did tonight. I will tell you though, I you know I've listened to the the uh, 
the high stakes fantasy hour here the last week or so regarding these drafts and everything. And I, I know you're well for Raheem Mostert. And that was probably the, the most difficult choice I had to make there was that eighth round pick, Ten Hill versus um, Mostert. I don't believe enough in Mostert to pick him over somebody. I really do believe in Tannehill. You get you get those weapons that he has now. I mean, uh, it's to me even in an offense or offense coordinator, I can't trust in Todd Downing. Um, that don't you believe Tannehill has 40 touchdown upside? Not that he didn't last year. I think he had 33 passing touchdowns and seven rushing. But I mean, I think 40 passing touchdowns is a possibility now there. So. Oh, yes, especially with uh, the Julio Jones edition. I'll follow that up with another player you picked that I'm high on at the running back position, and that's Kenyon Drake. And I, I thought that Peter Overset would have done himself a favor uh, to take that player. You grabbed him. Um, was that a big win for you, or was that just the next player on your list? Um, yeah, it was a big win for me. I don't know. I don't recall that he was the next player on my list per se, but it was one of those situations. And it's funny how when we draft, it's um, you know you you have confidence. You you pick and you, sometimes you pick one guy because you picked another guy earlier. That type of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't, I don't want I want to answer your question, but I want to get to some of the thinking behind my, my selection there at Drake, but. So I, I picked Trey Sermon. I am extremely high on Trey Sermon. I I believe that that's going to be maybe not his backfield, but I do I, I don't have enough trust in Mostert to stay healthy, to, so that uh, and I and that I love the end of the season. San Francisco. I don't know how familiar you are with my big board and my matchup, my individual matchup um, breakdowns, but San Francisco has such a ridiculously easy back end of the season schedule, and it's. I don't think I have any red-colored matchups, which is the heavy lean toward the defense. I don't think I have San Francisco down for any red-colored matchups all season long. So if if we're talking about a situation where Mostert is, uh, continues to struggle, stay healthy, love that pick. So getting back around to where you're, what you're asking me about, Drake, I just see, I see him as a very solid, and I, I think you alluded to this in the, in the previous broadcast, um, just a solid, he's going to contribute a lot in the passing game. And that I was just looking for that, what I believe is going to be kind of a, a safe RB4 there to counterbalance my, um, what I believe is a high upside, maybe low floor pick with Trey Sermon. And now, Doug, you are on the to... clock for your final pick. Uh, you're on the clock for your final pick here. I just want to get your thoughts on who's it going to be. You just went three straight running backs. Who's the final pick, Mr. Irrelevant, for Doug Orth tonight? <laughs> well, I know the booth is going to like what I'm about to do here, so I've, I've heard you guys talk about Dwayne Eskridge uh, quite a bit. I uh-huh. like Dwayne Eskridge as well, uh, so that's that's who it's going to be here. Right. Dwayne Eskridge, Farrell, the the uh, Seattle receiver. Hey, um, Doug, I, I know, listen, we've, we've heard your voice uh, on, on uh, SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio before. You have the workload projections coming out. Do you have all the divisions out yet um, for FF today for all that, or is it is it is it just a couple of them right now? And and if so, when are the rest coming out? Yeah, just the uh, the east and the north right now. North hit today. Uh, the next two will hit next week, and the reason for that is I'm going to write up do a little bit write up on this draft tonight because I don't I don't get to mention the FFPC enough as it is in my writing, and and I don't get to share high-stakes drafts or what would typically be a high-stakes drafts with my readers enough other than, you know, my experiences with them, but I don't get to share that kind of uh, uh, 
content with, or not content, but I don't get to share actual live high stakes uh, content with them. So I thought that would be a unique experience. But to answer your question, next week is when the the last two, the south and the west, uh, south and the west, come out, and then after that are my big boards. Excellent stuff from Doug Orth from FF Today. Um, you can check out FF Today on Twitter at FF underscore today. Follow Doug on Twitter at Doug Orth, O-R-T-H. We'll look forward to that right up, and we'll definitely be able to pump that up because we want all the FFPC players to check it out as well. Doug, thanks so much for calling in. Congratulations on a great draft tonight. Good luck in all of your leagues this season. Not that you need it, my friend. <laughs> I appreciate it. You guys do a good job doing those two hours every night during the uh, Pros versus Joes. So, uh, you know, uh, applause to you guys as well. So thank you. Thank well, you, thank sir. you so much. Doug Orth, ladies and gentlemen. Doug, you have a great night, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to the, um, the, the rest of the uh, preseason workload projections, too, coming out at fftoday.com. Good talking with Doug. And in the meantime, Farrell, our draft actually completed. Um, we'll, we'll, um, we'll just go through the teams right now here because okay. I don't think we'll have enough time to go by round by round. So let's talk about Jim Coventry's team here, rotowire.com. He gets Russell Wilson, Trey Lance as his quarterbacks, Christian McCaffrey, Miles Gaskin, Michael Carter, James Conner, Tariq Cohen, Rashad Penny at running backs. The receivers are DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Odell Beckham, Gabriel Davis, Paris Campbell, Brian Edwards, Nico Collins, and Marquez Callaway. Uh, then the tight ends are Tyler Higby and Hunter Henry. This is a weird team, I think, for you to evaluate, Farrell, because he has a lot of players on here that I know that you like, and a lot of players maybe you're not so much big fans of either. Um, so it's, it's weird. But as far as the team construction goes, I did, I did think he ignored the receiver position uh, a little too much after grabbing Beckham as his wide receiver three in the fourth round. I think he could have used another receiver before round 12 and Gabriel Davis. Uh, other than that, I, I think that Russell Wilson's going to help him a lot at quarterback. Obviously, you have McCaffrey. I think I'm kind of with you on Gaskin. I think he is going to be a really good player this year, and to get him as running back 22 in the fifth round, I think that was solid. I think the best thing he did late was pick up Paris Campbell. I think that guy has the highest ceiling of all these receivers. Davis' uh, productivity is troubled uh, by the fact that Sanders is there, and you might say, well, maybe Beasley stays or numbered there. I still think uh, Sanders is a threat to Davis's utility. Edwards uh, has a lot of bodies to play through to be fantasy significant uh, with the Raiders. Um, Nico Collins uh, and uh, Callaway Lake, uh, those are, are very, very long shots. A lot of players, a lot of the same thing about those players. Paris Campbell, however, sticks out to me as a guy that could score late for him. And I love his tight ends, well, go- Higby and Henry. I love his we- tight ends better than he does. Uh, I, I really like his tight ends. And I think he took them as, uh, uh, what the heck, this is the best guy available. So, yeah, I think he might do something there uh, with his uh, with his round eight and round 11 tight ends. By the way, um, we're going to talk about J.C. Gifford's team here. But real quick, uh, I, I should mention this. He, uh, he was a guest on our show um, a couple of years ago. And um, uh, J.C. Gifford is um, one of the owners of Gifford's Ice Cream, which is a, a, mm, a very yes. famous um, uh, ice cream uh, magnet in the, uh, new, new, uh, the upper northeastern part of the country. And they actually came out with a Patriots-inspired ice cream flavor called Dough Your Job. And you could actually have had the <laughs> Dough Your Job from Gifford's Ice Cream in the preseason game at Gillette Stadium when the Patriots took on the, uh, the Giants. So good stuff from there, J.C. Gifford. Let's see how he did in his team tonight. Uh, Travis Kelsey, 
I beg your pardon. Let's uh, go by position by position. Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Sam Darnold, at quarterback. Running backs, Javante Williams, James Robinson, Naheem Hines, Alexander Madison, Darrington Evans, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, receivers are DeAndre Hopkins, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Tyler Boyd, Michael Gallup, Sterling Shepard, and Van Jefferson. Tight ends are Travis Kelsey and Irv Smith. Farrell, that this uh, team will live and die by um, how good those backup running backs uh, become. If um, the starters go down ahead of them, uh, maybe Taylor or Cook or Henry or, you know, any of those, Damian Harris, I guess, to a certain extent, if any of those players are to go down for a significant amount of the season, this team's loaded for bear. If they don't, I don't know if Javante Williams and James Robinson are enough to get it done. No, and I think that might be a a very failed strategy. Um, Alexander Madison uh, the Boise State running back that I admire greatly, uh, yes, we would have to have a Cook injury um, for Madison, and Madison is his direct handcuff, right? He has Cook on this team. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, let's move on to Peter Overzet. We talked about his team quite a bit tonight, and we will talk about it more because it was a fun one to talk about. Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tungabailoa at quarterback. Uh, running backs, Dalvin Cook, Raheem Mostert, Tony Pollard, Samaje P. Ryan and Xavier Jones, or is it Xavier Jones? I think it's Xavier Jones. And then the receivers, Calvin Ridley, C.D. Lamb, D.J. Moore, T. Higgins, Robbie Anderson, Will Fuller, Elijah Moore, Christian Kirk, and Colin Johnson. First time we've seen Colin Johnson tonight. Yeah, Noah Fant and Cole Komet at the – yes, exactly, out of Texas. Noah Fant and uh, uh, Cole Komet are the uh, tight ends. So the receivers are elite, Farrell, probably the best in the league. Um, Cook and Mostert, obviously, at the top are awesome. You get Pollard. Uh, again, if, if Elliott were to go down, now you're looking elite at two different positions. I think he's going to be fine at quarterback. And I actually like the, the tight ends as well, Fant and Komet. There's some good uh, conversation in the chat room tonight talking about uh, Overzet's team and being, uh, being very positive feedback on it. I'm going to second that. I think Overzet did a pretty good job tonight. I think he did. I think he rallied at the running back position. And I also thought the uh, quarterback, I thought he would take the third quarterback uh, Wilson out of the New York Jets. That would have been uh, that would have been my 17th round pick instead of Jones. I don't think Jones is going to help him a great deal. Colin Johnson, there's our sneaky guy. They got 30 points last year in the game. Oh. Yeah, a guy that was again a lot of people thought was going to be a first round NFL pick. He stays another year later and he becomes what like a fourth or a fifth round pick. But he's flashed yeah. and maybe he will flash again for Overzet this year. Moving on to Jeffrey Berger and Dan Polner squad from the four hole. Josh Allen, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Taysom Hill at quarterback. Running backs, Alvin Kamara, J.K. Dobbins, Josh Jacobs, Devin Singletary, and Kenneth Gainwell. Receivers are Jerry Judy, Juju Smith-Schuster, Curtis Samuel, Marquise Brown, Jalen Waddell, Manuel Sanders, and Nelson Aguilar. Tight ends are Kyle Pitts and Mike Jasicki and Hayden Hurst. So uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier, Farrell. I know you were a big fan of, of um, how good the Judy and Smith-Schuster picks were for Berger and Polner. And, I, you know, I know you like Jacobs, too. And when you pair or when he joins the pair of Kamara and J.K. Dobbins, you're looking at something pretty special in the backfield there. I love the tight ends. I love the quarterbacks on the squad. I know you don't like Taysom Hill uh, all that much, but I think Allen and, Fitzp- Allen and Fitzpatrick, I think, I think were enough. He could have spent something else on a different position on that last pick. Um, the receivers have to come through, but, I mean, there's seven of them here. So I like this squad as well by Berger and Pullman. Here, if we think Davis' uh, utility is going to be compromised, we can now look at Sanders and, and have expectations in this format for him. Aguilar is 
perfect in this format. It seems like here in the 15th round, that's where he goes in redrafts. Uh, I, I don't understand why Aguilar doesn't move up the board in these drafts. That was a terrific pick. Doug Orth from uh, Fantasy Football Today. Uh, we will talk about his squad here after we just chatted a little bit about a few of the picks that he made with him on the air. Ryan Tannehill and Carson Wentz are the quarterbacks. Ezekiel Elliott, Joe Mixon, Trey Sermon, Kenyon Drake, Giovanni Bernard, Devontae Booker, Javian Hawkins, Marlon Mack at running back. Receiver Allen Robinson, Julio Jones, Cortland Sutton, Russell Gage, Rondale Moore, and Dwayne Eskridge. Tight ends, Mark Andrews and Robert Tunyon. Farrell, this is another strong squad here. I, I, I like it. I like the volume that he gets with the first two picks. Um, I, I think quarterback could be a question mark if Wentz doesn't return to form, but Tannehill's going to be great. Uh, you could probably have made the argument that he might have used a, a third tight end, but I, I think Andrews and Tunyon are, are good enough for me. And interestingly enough, um, on, his, on Doug Orr's uh, Scott Fishbowl team this year, he also used late-round picks on both Devontae Booker and Javian Hawkins. So I know he loves those players as well. How much do you love or not love Doug Orr's team? Sneaky, strong team. Uh, I like what he did with Moore. We talked about that earlier. We've already talked about the second half of his draft. Cortland Sutton is a big steal for me here. Uh, the quarterbacks, he was able to get very, very productive quarterbacks as he talks about 40 touchdowns. Uh, from Tannehill and what we might see from Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. Love this team. I think he did very, very well with it. All that's separating him from a really, really fresh start is to get Booker more active in that backfield for the Giants. McMahon and Douglas. Well, let's talk about their team. Keith Douglas and Steve McMahon from the sixth hole tonight. Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson are the quarterbacks. The running backs are Kareem Hunt, Zach Moss, A.J. Dillon, Philip Lindsay, J.D. McKissick, and Malcolm Brown. Receivers, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, Jamar Chase, Henry Ruggs, Deshaun Jackson. Tight ends, Darren Waller, Evan Engram, and Jared Cook. Um, this squad right here is really loaded and, and great. Uh, and I don't think I'm – I think I'm – yeah, I, I, they're great at every position except running back. So in order for mm-hmm. this team to take it down – um, Zach Moss will obviously have to be the guy in Buffalo or AJ Dillon will have to take advantage of, you know, some sort of Aaron Jones injury, knock on wood. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen <laughs> to my Packers, but the Philip Lindsay pick we like late, the McKissick pick could pay off as well. Um, so there's some potential for this team to, to get these running backs uh, in, in good situations for, for, uh, you know, during the year. And if that happens, they're going to be tough to beat. They already have the Packers hook up as well. He's pieced it together at running back, and he bought a lottery ticket on Deshaun Watson uh, in the 18th round. I, uh, you know, you could see it happening, but a lot of things have to come together for him at running back. But it was a good effort here. And um, I think McKissick is, if if we look at him, um, that we haven't seen his best football, and I don't think we have. I think McKissick could develop into a, a player that everyone in fantasy remembers and had great expectations of, Danny Woodhead. And uh, McKissick reminds me of that kind of player, and we might see uh, that kind of production for him with uh, with what's going on with Washington right now. 
Hussein the Brain Aksu from FantasyCouch.com was picking seventh tonight, and he gets Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones as his quarterbacks, Derek Henry, Antonio Gibson, Ronald Jones, Latavius Murray, David Johnson, Chuba Hubbard, and the backfield. The receivers, Amari Cooper, Kenny Galladay, Devontae Smith, Antonio Brown, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Kadarius Toney, and Amari Rogers, and the tight ends, TJ Hawkinson, Rob Gronkowski, and Blake Jarwin. Um, Farrell, I like the quarterbacks on this squad. Uh, I, I actually like the, the tight ends quite a bit, too. The running backs mm-hmm. are solid at the top with Henry and Gibson. I think Jones is a fine number three running back as well. And obviously, if anything happens to Kamara or maybe Lindsey, um, you're looking at a heavy workload for both Murray and Johnson. You know what's interesting to me is these receivers. Uh, there's sort of a recurring theme here. Cooper, who is, is currently dinged up, don't know how healthy he'll be to start the season. Kenny Galladay. No stranger to the, to the uh, uh, trainer's table, especially with that hip issue he had in Detroit. Devontae Smith, 165 pounds. Antonio Brown was dealing with a variety of, of, of injuries that he fought through last year. And then he didn't take another receiver until round 16. So I think while this is a good team, the receivers do need to stay healthy. If they stay healthy, they should perform, but they got to stay healthy. I think I would exit out the Chubba Hubbard pick, but other than that, I'm impressed with what we have here. And I'll bring the attention to Antonio Brown as an eighth-round pick here. Anyone that watched Tom Brady throw the long ball, now he's going to throw it to Antonio Brown. We said it last night. This is a wonderful player, a wonderful target, a great weapon to have in this format. He follows up with uh, Gronkowski uh, at at Tyvian, and then he gets Blake Jarwin. I thought that would be the one pick that the Azell brothers would take that I could get behind, knowing how they love their Cowboys. Uh, Blake Jarwin goes here, <laughs> and this is that's another dart throw that really, really hits the bullseye for me here. I, I'm surprised uh, as, as other drafters have elevated Jar, uh, Blake Jarwin through the uh, redraft process that Jarwin didn't go higher here. Uh, let's move on to Beth Rich's former HSFFR guest drafting from the eighth spot tonight. She gets Patrick Mahomes and Matt Ryan as her quarterbacks. Uh, running backs, Austin Eckler, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, DeAndre Swift, Chase Edmonds, Tevin Coleman, and Justin Jackson. Receivers, Deontay Johnson, DJ Chark, Debo Samuel, Michael Pittman, Jarvis Landry, Jalen Rager, Brashad Perriman, and Alan Lazard. Tight ends are Jonu Smith and Anthony Ferkser. The running backs are, are, are maybe the best in the league. The re- uh, beg your pardon, the quarterbacks are obviously awesome. Not sold on the tight ends with, with Sanu and Ferkster. Now, now it, or Sanu, with Johnny Smith and Ferkster. <laughs> if Smith does come through, um, this team will be all right. I know you don't like Ferkster all that much. Um, you look at the receivers. She waited until round five to draft one. I think she did okay here. You know, I like Deontay Johnson. I, I think Debo Samuel is going to be all right. We both like Michael Pittman. I know I like Landry. I know you do not like him. And then throw in Chark there as well. So I think you know, given that the, the head start she had at running back, she could afford to go heavy on receivers. She did. Uh, and if these receivers, a couple of them really pan out and, and one of these tight ends is, is good for her each and every week, then, yeah, this is going to be a really competitive team and, and one that could take down this league. Beth told us what she was going to do when she was a guest on the High Stakes show uh, two Fridays ago, and it, it's, uh, she has stayed with her plan, and it's a good plan. I liked what she did with uh, – uh, where is it? Where is it? Running back Tevin Coleman. I think that's a steal if you can get that running back in the 15th round. Um, Michael Pittman is the highest. Uh, I'm highest on Michael Pittman. 
of all the receivers that she got from the seventh round on. I think he'll be a big scorer for her. And Devo Samuel with a lot to prove to come back this year. Uh, yeah, I I think perhaps another wide receiver uh, a little later, I, I could have come up with a better case of someone for uh, Perriman, maybe another uh, tight end. But all in all, uh, you know, Beth knows what she's doing, and she's doing it in the way she wants to do it. I would recommend if she keeps taking Ferkser um, uh, that she take a look uh, at uh, slot receiver Josh Reynolds. Smaller was getting a lot of love in the uh, Blog Talk Radio chat room tonight for his team. Let's talk about his squad, Justin Herbert and Justin Fields. A pair of Justins, just in time, on this squad to help him out at the <laughs> signal caller's uh, position here for Jared. Aaron Jones, Travis Etienne, Leonard Fournette, Jamal Williams at the running back uh, position. Tyreek Hill, Terry McLaurin, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Corey Davis, Triquan Smith, Jacoby Myers, A.J. Green, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. At the receivers, Dallas Goddard, Austin Hooper, and Mo Alley-Cox at tight end. So I guess to, to look at this squad, Farrell, we could talk about um, the, the quarterbacks. I think they're great. I think the receivers are awesome. They're very deep. Um, after Goddard, I'm not so sure at the tight end position. And I think it's fine to go with Jones and ETN early and then grab Fournette and Jamal Williams in the 10th round. He must have some data at DraftSharks.com that would tell you that no. that would be good enough to try to, to try to win this league because I would have taken at least one more, probably two more running backs after he stopped drafting the position in the 10th round. You know, I think he just probably – that's the problem. You target a running back that you can live with, somebody else takes him, and you have such good information on receivers like Corey Davis and Traquan Smith. You want to get a piece of the – of the new quarterback, you, you you think Mo Alley Cox could flash because of his size, and you've loved A.J. Green for years, and you think he will have some good games out in the desert that his career is not over, and then you find out at the end of the draft that you've, uh, you know, you could use a couple more running backs. That doesn't surprise me, and that that can happen at any level of experience in fantasy football. And, you know, you want to get your guys, but sometimes you got to be careful about getting your guys at the expense of one position. The unpredictable and some would say whimsical Azell brothers in the 10 spot tonight. Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Running backs are Jonathan Taylor, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Damian Harris, and Damian Williams. Receivers Adam Thielen, LaVisca Chenault, Nicole Hardman, Rashad Bateman, Cole Beasley, Terrace Marshall, Jamison Crowder, Corderell Patterson. Tight ends George Kittle, Adam Troutman, Jordan Akins. Farrell, I love this team, um, and, and it's good that they got the volume on receivers. They ended up drafting, I believe, eight of them tonight, um, which is good mm-hmm. because I think that's the weak spot on this team. Chenault, Thielen is your number one. I don't know about that. And Chenault is your number two. I'm a little skittish on that. So, you know, if these receivers come through because of the volume, then, yeah, you can look at this team as, as going to be a, a very good one because of how good they are at the other positions. But not the type of team I would have drafted with these receivers. Will Harbin be the number three on this team? Uh, yeah, he is. You know, Harbin is the number three, proves one thing about the Zale brothers. They are fantastic believers uh, and, and passionate players uh, in, in football. They did not watch the Super Bowl. They wouldn't have picked him there. Bateman is going to block mostly as a receiver there for uh, Baltimore. He's going to be very, very good. But do you remember – um, what's our uh, uh, ex-saint and 
that's now with the Raiders. What, what is our guy's name? I forget, Balky. Uh, it was at Baltimore the, the, last year. The receiver? Yeah, yeah, the, the smallest receiver, the top receiver. Uh, oh, Balky, I could have used a little bit more caffeine. But anyway, he's the Raven receiver <laughs> that is now uh, uh, with with the Raiders. Uh, he'll Bateman will be asked to do some of the things uh, that he was uh, doing last year. Uh, Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley is a big question mark, uh, both in the locker room and the roster itself. Terrence Marshall, I, I see better rookie players out there. Uh, Crowder's best days are over in New York, and is um, Patterson is still in the league, but I don't know what to expect from him. The Azell brothers, by them, that's my assessment of their players, and they would tell me I don't know what I'm talking about because they believe in them and watch them do well in this contest. <laughs> the receiver we were both trying to figure out, Willie Sneed, Farrell. Willie Sneed. Ah, yes, Willie. Yes. Um. Jake, Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com uh, was drafting in the 11 spot tonight. He ends up with Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow at quarterback. Saquon Barkley, Najee Harris, Daryl Henderson, Mike Davis, Daryl Williams at running back. Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, Darnell Mooney, Marvin Jones, T.Y. Hilton, John Brown, Tyrell Williams, and Randall Cobb at receiver. The tight ends are Logan Thomas, uh, Thomas Zach Ertz, and Christopher Herndon. So, yeah, I mean, I think the quarterbacks are awesome. I love both Jackson and Burrow quite a bit this year. He obviously invested a ton of draft capital into getting those top four running backs in, in the first five rounds. I can get on board with all those guys for sure. Michael Thomas in, in round seven, eh, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, that was the 36th receiver off the board. And then you, you get Mooney and Jones and Hilton and Brown and Tyrell Williams, Cobb after that. Yeah, those are all right players. And, and some, I mean, Mooney could break how much we love Marvin Jones, but I think the receivers are a little bit lacking. And I think, you know, the other thing that, that concerns me with Logan Thomas this year, you know, they added Curtis Samuel. They have a more competent quarterback this year that's able to spread it around. I don't know if he has that type of season. Zach Ertz clearly in the rearview mirror of the Eagles plans, and Christopher Herndon is sort of becoming a never was in the NFL. So there's some question marks at the pass catchers on this team, but far be it for me to throw Steely under the bus. He won this whole thing a few years ago. Well, you can tell I um, I have a subscription-based uh, arrangement with The Athletic because i obviously been reading his stuff, and I love what he's done at wide receivers. And Thomas, that's a risk I can live with. He's going to have him for at least – 60% of the season. I think he'll be I think he'll be all right there. Logan Thomas, I agree with you. Zach Ertz, uh if if greener pastures await Zach Ertz, that's a worthwhile uh if you're gonna throw a dart at Herndon, you know, if if it's ever gonna be any time, it's gonna have to be this year. They're talking about acquiring Randall Cobb back in Green Bay, Balky. I don't think that's gonna happen. But these receivers, Williams, uh Tyrell Williams, uh, nothing but a touchdown maker and should get plenty of volume at Detroit. Uh, John Brown, we had a guest on our show, a very entertaining guest that came on uh, with us that told us he thought that uh, Smoke Brown could lead the Raiders in receiving. T.Y. Hilton gets to play against Houston twice a year. That's enough said. And uh, Mooney uh, could surprise and be a 90-catch receiver for Chicago. So I'm all in with this team. Yeah, Mooney is another guy. I'm going to have to start reevaluating. I, I think I'm not getting him enough in drafts. I'll t- I'm going to take a harder look at him because he could have a big season, especially with Justin Fields there. The final team tonight, Michael App, the uh, 2017 Football Guys Players Championship, $250,000 grand prize winner, gets Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, and Derek Carr as his quarterbacks, Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, Gus Edwards, and Melvin Gordon, all along with James White at running back as well. 
Stephon Diggs, Mike Evans, Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool, Mike Williams, Devontae Parker, and Sammy Watkins at receiver, Gerald Everett, Eric Ebron, and O.J. Howard at tight end. Quarterbacks are great. Um, I can I can probably live with the running backs. I think they're a little bit shaky, but the receivers make up for it. The receivers are awesome. And then we both like Everett. I, th- I think we both don't like Ebron based on our conversation earlier. And I'm really concerned about O.J. Howard coming off that injury. So I would have liked to see him maybe grab another tight end in addition to Everett, maybe before Everett, and I'd like this team better. Yeah, and uh, our, our Cincinnati tight end, uh, Uzuma, uh, gets left off the board, and, and I think that's yeah. I think that's probably a mistake here. Uh, you know, Devontae Parker, another player out of uh, – my home city of Louisville, Kentucky, and, and I hope Devontae could have a, a, a career season uh, with, with what's happening in Miami. You know, his, his quarterbacks are going to hit. He's got a he's got about 110 years worth of uh, quarterbacks here, if not more, and uh, they're going to hit and do well for him. Mike Williams, bulky, sure is shooting up the board. This is the ideal kind of format for him, but I've seen him in redraft leagues. Uh, going higher too, and Mike Williams. That's that's one that uh, was able to escape from one of those Charger stacks. So all in all, this is a very good team. All in all, a very good contest is the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Something I've played in for numerous years, well over a decade now, and I love it. And if you want to join it, Farrell is indeed the commissioner. KFFSC.com is where you want to go for that. Online main events with uh, with both slow and live drafts are filling up now. You can also register to draft live in Cincinnati, draft live in Louisville. Those leagues are in Cincinnati. Don't waste time because they are they are going fast. I think I'm looking at this right now, Farrell. Only two spots left in Cincinnati. Two spots left in Cincinnati. We can still accommodate you for a full weekend of draft in Louisville and, and bulky today. I noticed a real pickup. Uh, on our online main event teams as guys have finally said, you know what, there's no way that my responsibilities that I can get to Louisville. And I always notice that about a month out from the event, uh, guys say, you know, I'm holding out, I want to go, but I can't quite pull it off. Okay, I'll play something uh, online. And we're coming up for the, an online announcement here in, in the next couple of days. Don't let that stop you from registering now. But we're going to have an attractive um, you know, an attractive promotion uh, for our guys from around the country that, that can't make it live or anyone that wants to play both live and online. But, Balky, I'm most excited about seeing you. And i got to tell you, i got to remind everybody, it's been a while since we talked about it, but our checkered flag 9016 tournament where you took down the uh, uh, championship in 2020, uh, it's a tremendous job you did beating all the, uh, the 95 other uh Participants in that league, and uh, I ordered your trophy last week, and, and it oh. is a beauty. It is a beauty oh, trophy, right. a beautiful trophy. And I remember two Packer giving you a hard time once when you came to Kentucky, and you were the only guy from <laughs> Team Wisconsin headed back without a trophy. Uh, you've got one that uh, two Packer's going to envy uh, when he shows up uh, in Louisville. Uh, 27th through the 29th of August. 
Yeah, that's why I don't talk smack, because you never know when it's going to come back to you. But, uh, yeah, I was thrilling winning that last year in the uh, checkered flag. It was it was great. I, I pulled, I've pulled a few main event trophies since then, too. So I'm excited to get back down to Louisville, and that's just a few weeks away. Uh, by the way, if you want to sign up for that, go to kffsc.com. You can always call Farrell. Give him a ring, 502-523-5057. Farrell, I will talk to you tomorrow night at about 10 o'clock Eastern time for our final Pros versus Joes episode of the season. No, a late night one. I'll get some. Uh, I'll get some late night caffeine and be ready for you, Bobby. You're the man. We'll talk to you then, dude. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, joining us uh, as my co-host. To follow him on Twitter at J Farrell Elliott, and of course the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at kffsc.com. Remember, tonight is the deadline day. It's going to go off in about four hours. If you want to be entered into the main event early draft slot announcement. You have four, less than four hours now to pay off your teams or to register your teams at myffpc.com. When you take care of that, you will get your draft slot for the 2021 FFPC main event coming this Sunday. And if you already have a team in the event, you want to pick up some extras, you are going to get $400 off each additional team you add on at myffpc.com. Hey, I want to thank our guests tonight, Jim Coventry from rotowire.com and Doug Orth from fftoday.com. Make sure you're checking out their work on Twitter at Jim Coventry NFL and at Doug Orth. I want to thank Darren Armani, uh, the godfather of the pros versus Joes, the FFPC, our producer and mutual friend Rob, audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you for hanging out for two hours and watching this draft go off tonight. Tomorrow, as I said, is our final live broadcast of the year of the 2021 FFPC Pros versus Joes competition. It is the winners get to do what they want, league number six, tomorrow night. It all gets started at 10 o'clock Eastern time. We'll be on until midnight with you. The Joes uh, tomorrow night, Michael Cobb, Curtis Hirsch, Alex Bolazzo, Andrew Miller, Nick Thompson, uh, Jetshada Jaraboon. It's going to be a, a loaded field there for the FFPC Joes. And don't forget about the pros. Dan Williamson from the Goat District podcast. John Paulson from 4for4.com, a guy who's played in the pros versus Joes for years, had a lot of success at it. Pat Thorman is going to represent Establish the Run tomorrow. Mike Nazarek, a guy who's had a lot of success, not only in the FFPC main event, but the pros versus Joes from ffmastermind.com. He will join us. You know him from Guru Elite and Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Jeff Manns will be drafting tomorrow. And, of course, the winning tandem uh, of Curtis Patrick from Rotoviz and Ryan McDowell from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. It is going to be a bloodbath tomorrow. No value falling. We'll see what these guys do when the uh, bullets start flying for real tomorrow night in the pros versus Joe's final reminder to register for the inaugural best ball tournament with the uh, FFPC today, $125 entry fee, and you could win a hundred thousand dollars. It's pretty awesome. Uh, that's those spots are filling up fast. We have flow and live drafts going off for that. Don't forget about the super bracket tournament. If you're drafting live in Las Vegas, that's something you want to take a look at and uh, take your shot at a five figure grand prize there as well. Uh, remember to sign up for those main events, uh, getting in on the early draft slot announcement. Join the KFFSC as well. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Your week continues now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week.
Uh, one thing I failed to mention is the Football Guys Players Championship, which has drafts filling each and every day. We have a draft going off in about 50 minutes. When we're after the time of the year where these tend to fill up pretty fast, um, eight spots left in the midnight draft tonight. If you want to hop into that, that will be a lot of fun. Take a shot at winning $500,000. Get a three-pack and get a $50 discount on your entry fee, too, as well. Uh, can't get a better deal than that. Football Guys Players Championship, FFPC Main Event, and the FFPC Best Ball Tournament. Can't wait to see who takes those di- uh, down this year. And maybe it's going to be you winning life-changing money. That's all at myffpc.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will talk with you at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Tuesday night.